You're listening to the Classic Gamers Guild Podcast. This makes my nipples hard. I was so happy when my grandma would listen to November Rain by Guns N' Roses. I'm like, at least it's kind of in the genre and it made me feel connected to her. So she accepted it as something that was okay to listen to. All right. All right. I'm going to try again. We're good. Now, this one has a piano in it. That's why I like it. Sorry. <laughs> so pretty. It's a real instrument. Wait, can you do it? Can you do it in a gangster rap voice? We did recently start a show with trying to do an 80s rap. A boo, we a did. Ch- a boo. You know, like one of the just really. <laughs> it's there. It's not good, but that's the point. No, it's, no, it's not people good. don't listen to this show for good or accurate. They listen to this show, don't they? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Actually, Paul, that sounded more like a like a Canadian uh, a gangster rap. A boo, a boo. <laughs> <laughs> Drinking that maple syrup, yo. <laughs> Sorry, shutting up. This episode is just going to be us starting the show. I think. <laughs> over and over and over. Hi there, welcome to the show. In today's episode, we are thrilled to have a talented, whether they. <laughs> me to say it or not, duo from Era 47, a band that creates original compositions infused with a deep, deep love for DOS games and just the right touch of metal. This band is led by both John Paul Sapsford and he is a professional music teacher and an audio engineer and Trolls Plymart, or as many of us know him and can pronounce a little bit more easily as the Space Quest historian. And they currently have a Kickstarter going that we are going to learn a whole bunch about during this episode and probably something to do with something something Space Quest. So, hey guys, how's it going? How do you not breathe? <laughs> that, that was pretty good. Thank, congrats, uh, thank you. Thank you. Doing well. First try. First try. That's right. There were no other takes. That was amazing, guys. Out of the park. <laughs> Nothing but net. Swoosh. Well, um, I can't help but feel like this intro is really interrupting our conversation. <laughs> yeah, we can just get back to that now, please. That was oh, goodness. Yeah. Uh, cheers. Yeah. Um, we, we, we formed a band called Era 47 because we were making music together already, and uh, it occurred to me that John Paul wasn't getting the recognition that he very much deserves for making my ugly shit sound decent. So uh, we decided to put a band together. At least that's my head cannon. I don't know what JPS's is. That, that, that's about it. You know, we were, we were just doing a bunch of music together and you kind of said, hey, let's do this as an actual band, you know, and mm-hmm. have like a name and everything like that. And- Tell me a little bit about how you chose your name. What is Era 47 and why does it make a good name for you guys? Oh, I want to take this one. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, of course, of course. Because <laughs> I think, uh, again, this is this is my, uh, I, I have this internal struggle where I want to decide everything, but I kind of want to give the impression that it's a democracy. So, you know, <laughs> I um, we we did a couple of records under a moniker called One Kid from Andromeda. Uh, that would be our Duke Nukem record and our Gabriel Knight record. Uh, so, And I figured that's a terrible name for a band when there's two people in it. Uh, so I, I threw out a couple of ideas for names, but I really, really wanted to call it Era 47. So I kept mm. harping on that, like <laughs> subconsciously steering him towards it. And the, the reason why I really wanted to call it Era 47 is because one, I, it had to sound industrially 
It had to sound mm-hmm. like it was a 90s industrial band, like, uh, you know, your front 242s, your frontline assemblies, your, you know, skinny puppies, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It had to sound like it was 90s and, and raw and, you know, edgy. And anything with a number in it and the word error sounds pretty cool. Um, and the reason why error 47 why it's a 47 is because, well, obviously, it's a Space Quest reference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, apparently, it's also a Quest for Glory 4 reference, but I, I was unaware yeah. of that at the time. Um, but in Space and Quest 6... And one that 6, plagued me for years. Ugh, anyways, oh, go on. <laughs> oh, and in Space Quest 6, it crops up once, but it is infamous. If you play Space mm-hmm. Quest 6 on a computer that's just slightly too fast, you get all the way to the end of the Polysorbate 60 sequence, you mm-hmm. get back on the deep ship, you're supposed to run this little cartridge through a scanner in the compost, and if your computer's too fast, it inexplicably bombs you back to DOS. No warning, nothing. Just bombs you back to DOS with the most unhelpful error message ever. Error 47, not an object. Which we should have called our first album now that I think about it, not an object. (laughs) 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 But uh, yeah, so that's that's where it comes from. Space Quest 6, the Error 47. That's perfect. Yeah, in in Quest for Glory 4, it's when you're going down the, for me, it would hit when I was going down the slide at the goo, and then you're at the top. And apparently, I could have just turned the speed slider down, which I didn't realize at the time, and it might have let me bypass it. But I didn't, I didn't know, and I didn't have the internet or patches. So I'm just like, well, there goes my favorite game in the series. I know it's going to be. And it turns out it was one of my one of my favorite games in the series. No, in, in Space Quest 6, it is an absolute death sentence. If you're playing this on a, mm-hmm. like an old DOS machine and yep. it was it was too fast, there was no way around it. The speed slider would yep. do absolutely squat. It would just bomb you to dust. And even if you somehow managed to like download a save game from somewhere and get past that bit, uh, the game would still fuck around with you uh, oh, later. There's no. a bit right at the end where you have to uh, climb down uh, to the, you know, the, for those of you who haven't played Space Quest 6, this is going to sound horrible, but uh, anyway, you're microscopic and inside a woman's body and she has a tapeworm and you're supposed to <laughs> climb down this ledge to, and, and the screen is supposed to scroll down slowly to reveal this tapeworm inside her bowel. Uh, but mm-hmm. if you're on a fast computer, the screen just keeps scrolling, goes right past the tapeworm into a black no. nothingness void and you can't Which move and you can't do just anything. like in real life. Yeah. Wow. Like just... life. I can't stop laughing at how just normal and accepted that would have been if you didn't say something. <laughs> well, if you haven't played it, this might sound insane. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, th- let me ask you real quick, Charles. Uh, being being the you know literally the historian on this, the the I was always fascinated with Space Quest Six having that patch disc that came out just because it was like this weird like a, a CD ROM only game that you could also have a floppy for. So it was like one of my <laughs> one of my white whales was finding that damn floppy just because it was a floppy disk that said Space Quest Six on it, and it was a patch. And I'm just wondering, did that is that what that fixed? Uh, no, I don't think it fixed anything. Uh, <laughs> not, 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 I think I think what the uh, patch. I'm, I'm actually I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. I think the patch just fixed uh, some like driver errors. Uh, Space Quest Six had a yes. Uh, Space Quest Six had some problems with because uh, they tried to play multiple. Uh, 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 multiple digital samples at once in a few places, mm-hmm. and I don't know if, if I don't know if you ever noticed, but uh, Sierra games in particular, whenever they try to play more than one digital sample, Gabriel Knight, the Sins of the Fathers, really does this a lot. Like when you're in the uh, in any you know, like a voodoo ritual, for instance, when they have this background chatter of the voodoo ritual attendees, and then you know they're supposed to play like narration on top of that, everything just gets delayed for several mm-hmm. seconds. Like there, uh, SCI is just not capable of playing more than one digital sample at a time. And Space Quest 6 would just regularly crash whenever it tried to do that. So I think that's what the uh, floppy disk tried. I'm not, I, I, I actually don't know. I don't have that floppy disk. 
I'm going to take your wild stab at it as fact. <laughs> Go to spacequest.net, which is co-owned by myself and Mr. Brandon Bloom. We bought it off the original creator. Uh, it should tell you what it actually does. <laughs> okay. It's still full of all the original information that the original creator friends uh, compiled. Oh, okay. I, for some reason, I thought it was Jess that was the, the original. Where, where did Jess come from? Oh, see, it was no, the broom no, closet. It, <laughs> yeah, that was the broom closet. The two rivals at the time of the uh, Space Quest fandom heyday. We had the vir- uh, virtual broom closet and we had SpaceQuest.net. Uh, the broom closet was like the OG. And then SpaceQuest.net was the young whippersnapper who came in and you know, <laughs> tried to tried to ruffle some feathers. And we had like two message boards that eventually ended up like competing with each other. Awesome. Um, no, nah, it, it kind of it turned a little messy, oh. uh, to be honest. But, uh, <laughs> But hey, uh, it was uh, we, we because Space Quest Seven got canceled, so we ran out of things to talk about, and eventually we just turned on each other. It was it was a Aww. bit messy, but we got back together when Space Venture got was announced. That sort of you know mended a lot of bridges, and in fact, excuse me, um, in fact, uh, the Virtual Broom Closet and SpaceQuest.net merged to form a singular message board. I mean, all the message boards had been shut down for wow. years and years at that point, but they sort of merged and became the official uh, Space Venture message board for a little while. What a what a uh, character arc, you know? It's like a real hero's really journey. Nice. <laughs> I mean, Space Venture brought tons of people together. It was it was glorious for the first two or three years. John, I need to ask you, how did you get into adventure games? So, uh, when I was a kid, my my dad's worked for a bunch of technology companies and computer companies here in Chicago, and one of them did some outsource work for Sierra or something like that. No one remembers. And my, my father, sadly, passed away for about a decade now. Um, but it boiled down to him getting sent all of the Sierra games. Whoa. So I just grew up playing these games that were being sent to him. And, you know, Space Quest was always the best, of course. So that's, cool. that's what, <laughs> you know, You're in I was company. on Twitter one time and I started following... Um, that's nostalgic. I don't even know how I found him, but I did. I was, you know, watching the old DOS games, and then he was retweeting or doing some podcast or something with trolls. So I just started following trolls and just got in touch with him a few months later. And you're leaving out the interesting bit. <laughs> I always love that bit, though. You tell it better than I do. Really? Okay, because I was kind of because the last podcast we did, I told the story, so I was kind of looking forward to hearing you tell your side of oh, the story. But uh, yeah, so um, you know, I've been listening to some of the pie. I think it was it was the backseat uh, the designers podcast, mm-hmm. and you, you had it mentioned about like you know what this guy probably wants to do, um, probably wants to do his own games. He just talks like he does, did at that point. So I decided, because I've been trying to get into doing more scoring work and things like that and getting out of the rock world. Um, so I just dropped him an email and said, hey, if you're ever looking for help, I'm a musician, I'm in Chicago, blah, 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 blah. You know, let me know. I'd be happy to help out with anything. You know, just trying to get into this, this world a little bit. Mm-hmm. He sent me a, you know, he says it was kind of blow off. I thought it was perfectly nice. Just that, no, nope, no, nope, I'm not, you know, I don't do video games, but thanks, you know. And then a few months later, he was doing a game jam game and with uh, Amber Lee. And he sent me an email and said, hey, is that offer still stand? I need someone to do music for this game. And we did uh, ramp it up. And we've been working together pretty solidly ever since. That was, what, 2017, I want to say? Yeah, mm-hmm. sounds about right. I mean, the, uh, yeah. the story is, is, is caked in 
way too much niceness. That's not how I remember. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> but yeah, that is that is a nicer way of, of putting it. If my recollection is um, the director's cut. <laughs> <laughs> my recollection is that I, I had done a, a an adventure game jam game, and John Paul emailed me and said, "Hey, I'm 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 also you know a musician, and if you ever need any help, I'm I'm I'd be happy to. I don't want any money for it. I just want to jam with some fine folks." And I totally blew him off. I was like, no, I do my own shit. <laughs> I don't follow anybody's rules but my own. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, and then I had to come crawling back to him because we were doing Ramp It Up and I, I was going to do the music for that myself, but we were seriously stressed for time. So I did email him on my hands and knees saying, yeah, um, if that offer still stands, I'd love to take you up on it. And he delivered some absolutely wonderful music for that game. Um, much better than anything I would have done anyway. So yeah, that's my side of the story. <laughs> You know, they both work together. The truth's somewhere in the middle. So we're <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> it's been quite a long time at this point. My memory's terrible. So. No, it's, uh, and, and I have a penchant for self-deprecation, but that is how I remember it. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of epic creations that started, like, t- as much as the in, the uh, adventure game scene quieted down from, like, 2000 to 2010, 2015, and in 2015 with the Facebook groups and the Sierra groups and stuff, I, I mean, because I missed out on the message boards and all, all that side of things. To me, that was the resurgence and all these people started connecting back up and, hey, I used to work for this company and I'm really interested in it. And that, that's when the magic started coming back for me. And I started realizing that my whole childhood was coming back to haunt me in a good way. Mm. Um, did any of you kind of notice the same? Like, when did you notice things coming back into style? Like, if adventure games are kind of going to be cool again. Uh, for me, it was right around that same time. I started mm-hmm. seeing some of, you know, uh, Dave Gilbert's games, the Wacked Eye games ones. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of, you know, uh, um, and what it was for me actually, as we're sitting here thinking about it, it was what was that service? Was it? Um, uh, um, it was the, it was oh. an online service before Steam. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. No, Game Jolt. Just, no, it wasn't Game Jolt. It was it was a it was an app, and it was you could play all these games for like ten dollars a month. It was the first service like that. And it was oh, all cool. digital. Mm-hmm. And they had tons and tons of adventure games, all the Space Quests, uh, the Sam and Max games like that. And that really, and they were some of the highest rated games on the whole service. And they had, you know, AAA games and stuff too. Mm-hmm. So that was when it started to catch my interest again. That sounds like GameSpy. I don't know. Might be. Mm-hmm. Um, it might have been GameSpy. I can't remember. It's been so long now. That, 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 you know, that passed me by entirely because that was a North American thing. And mm-hmm. uh, ah. they didn't didn't quite have that over here. Uh, <laughs> I'm in Denmark, by the way. If anyone uh, didn't know that, mm-hmm. as end of the world, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> so your timelines for things might have been a little bit different, or was it about the same? I mean, you never really left. I think with you trolls, you didn't ever leave the community oh, once there was a community to be a part of. On and off, oh, I, you've always I, been there longer I than any my of us. Back did. on it. No, 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 I, no, I skipped down. I turned my back on it. Um, I, uh, I was really, when I was 15 years old, I got on the internet for the first time in the local library uh, in, in mm-hmm. the Danish town that I grew up in. And the first thing I searched for was Space Quest and up comes Roger Wilco's Virtual Broom Closet by Jess. And I mm-hmm. sent him an email 
which I then went back a week later to check <laughs> at the local <laughs> library still. We didn't have internet back home. So, um, and, and we got to chatting and we started swapping floppy disks in snail mail. So I started like contributing stuff to his site by sending him actual five and a quarter. No, not uh, three and a half quarter three inch. And half. <laughs> three and a half inch. Good morning. Uh, three and a half inch floppy disks in snail mail, and and that and then you know we finally got internet at home, and he he started up a message board, and that's how I kind of got into that whole online fandom thing crowd. And then, like I mentioned earlier, uh, when Space Quest Six uh, came out in 1995, we I mean. It's, uh, the, the Space Quest fandom was already like really all-encompassing. There were tons. I think at, at that point there were more Space Quest fan sites online than there were like Quake fan sites or Doom fan sites. It was like massive. And then everyone was looking forward to Space Quest Seven, and it got canceled. And like I said, people started getting a little antsy and a little okay. So what's left to talk about really? And mm. the whole thing just kind of went to a head. And I got a bit like, oh, well, well, to hell with it then. And so I sort of turned my back on everything and decided to go to university and get a job like a normal person. Um, yeah, I know, boo. And then <laughs> for some reason, I can't really remember. I think uh, I just uh, like on a whim after uh, like around 2004 or five or ish, I just decided to boot up Space Quest one again and just play through it on an afternoon just for shits and giggles, just to see if I still had it. And it was fun. And <laughs> then I, uh, started like playing games just sort of in my spare time, my off time. Uh, you know, when, when my wife went to sleep, I'd stay up for a couple of hours uh, and play games on, you know, the little laptop we had hooked up to the TV in our little one room apartment um, with the sound off and all that. <laughs> um, and it was fun. And at, at one point, I played a game called Gone Home that you might have heard about, um, which mm -hmm. is one of the most powerful and wonderful stories uh, in, in an interactive modern game that I've ever uh, seen. Uh, I literally <laughs> I literally could not masturbate for three days because I was so blown away by right. it. Um, <laughs> that resonates with me. Yeah. It does. Yeah. I get um, that. Um, but but so so, uh, so I went online to look for uh, people who had uh, played this game because I wanted to know all the ins and outs and secrets and stuff. It's kind of a weak spot of mine. I have to once I get into something, I really have to know everything about it. Right. Um, and I stumbled upon a let's player uh, called Jack Septiguy, who was not the titan that he is today. He had uh, he had quite a lot of followers, but uh, but not anything as astronomical as he is today. Uh, but he played Gone Home, and he was doing this let's play, and I was like, I, I have never seen a let's play before. That actually looks kind of fun. I wonder if I can do that. And so I just started, you know, looked into how, how does he actually do that with a little camera in the top left corner and the, you know, game screen and all that stuff. How does he do that? And I just sat down and started like playing games in my bedroom uh, on a shitty little laptop with no lights and my microphone sort of perched in a in a garbage bin next to me <laughs> with a pillow to prop it up. And it was really professional stuff. And, you know, that's when I started YouTubing just for the shits and giggles of it. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's how I sort of came back to it, quote unquote. And then I learned that around 2005, uh, 2006 is when Wadjetai, uh decided to bring back adventure games in style and, and you know, mm -hmm. prove that you could actually sell them for money and have a successful career doing it. Uh, and, you know, digital storefronts were invented, which means you can now circumvent publishers. You didn't have to buy shelf space at the local Costco or whatever the fuck. Uh, so that mm -hmm. was a whole revolution of itself. I had no idea. I just wanted to play the games that I grew up playing again now that i actually had spare time to do it in so yeah i don't keep up with the times i just 
roll with whatever. None of us do. We're all listening to vinyls and playing big box games. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Checks out. My Google search from this morning was, what font did they use in VHSs? <laughs> I really I want that for my game somewhere. I don't know where. We'll, we'll, figure, we'll find oh. split for it later. Dude, that was a, we had a whole like search party out for uh, when we did the King's Chill vinyls because I wanted the label on the actual vinyls to re- to look like those 70s vinyls that all for some reason had the same font on them. Right, they right. Totally uh, you, yeah. You, you can, you can, and it turns out the font is named Universe. Uh, without the E at the end. Uh, but but there was like a whole search party on my Discord, like going around, like, what is that font? We had like, uh, we took photos of our dad's record collections and shit. And like, what, what's this font? And we actually found it. And that's why the King's Chill record labels look like like they do. Uh, yeah, this you know, it's, a, it's a good collective of, of nerds going on where it's like, I love a good font hunt. You know, that takes me back. Oh. <laughs> I'm on the hunt for a font I found on a gravestone right now. I just call it Classic Gravedigger. So. Okay. That Discord is a magical place. There is no topic you can ask a question about where you won't get a good answer, you know? And so technical (laughs) and so off the wall, or even just like, what should I have for breakfast today? It doesn't matter. It's just a great place. Yeah. I have no idea how that happened. Again, it's it's the whole thing of just surrounding myself with people who can sort of soak up or, or deflect my dumb and actually turn it into a great place to be. That's how yeah. that's how the Discord sort of evolved around me. I love the Discord because it's like nobody lets anything go there. Like they will get to the bottom of it. And sometimes I'll just retroactively read, you know, especially when you were doing a lot of like the discovering bugs and um, mm-hmm. doing that kind of video series on, on debugging and f- digging through SCI Companion and stuff. Just retroactively reading you guys, like sending the hounds out basically with like, you know, the sniff of something oh, was, was so much hounds. fun. That was so much. Uh, oh, some of those, some of those people who, uh, uh, you know, like cracked the code and went spelunking in the in the code and all that. I mean, I, I took all the credit for it because I put the video together, but it was really their, uh, you know, their work that I was just piping out into uh, uh, onto YouTube. So yeah, you're absolutely right. The nerds in, in Nerd Central on the Discord are magical people, and they're fucking sadists as well. Right. That whole trip <laughs> they have going with turning old uh, uh, device drivers uh, on their heads, like the, the whole pain train thing was uh, getting yeah. like old CGA drivers running on old, old DOS games. Like uh, Pickle Dog, one of the moderators, actually wrote a CGA driver for Doom. Wow. That, uh, for like proper vanilla DOS Doom. You can play that <laughs> in four so color pretty. CGA. So oh, it's pretty. so good. Warm to my heart. That pain train stuff is beautiful. Oh, boy. You're, that is, this is good shit here. Uh, sorry, a derailing as I always do. Again, brain on autopilot. No, there is no rail. It's that's not no. you. We just we never laid yeah. a track out. We're just we're just out not here in the desert having a good time. Cool. <laughs> it feels like the desert. God damn, it's warm in here. <laughs> so what do you what are you guys roles together as far as Era Forty Seven? Because I am curious, like, you know, what, yeah, what what makes you guys a team? In other words, like, does one of you do one thing, or is it like a collaboration, or? JPS, you have to take this one. I've been running my mouth for the last 20 minutes. Yeah. So we, we both do our, our own things on it. So as far as the, the full instruments, I, I play all the guitar and Trolls does all of the, the drum work. But what, what happens is Trolls will, will do most of the hard work and he'll take you know the midis and you know translate them into something workable and he orchestrates them. You know, which is selecting the different instruments and stuff like that to be used, and he arranges them and does all the nitty gritty work there. 
then he'll send off those individual tracks to me and I will mix them, edit them, uh, master them and, and throw the guitar on there and stuff like that. And yeah, together it's, 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 it's what trolls was talking about. You know, we, you always need to surround yourself with people that are good at what you're bad at. And we, we complement each other really well in that. And that was kind of Ken Williams whole idea for Sierra, right? Yeah, Honestly. yeah, exactly. My, my old singers say it all the time, you know, because he's a guitarist as well. Um, but he's like, you know, he goes, I got you in the band because you're, you can do all the lead stuff and everything. And I got, you know, our drummer is really good at this and that. And it's just that, that, that way you complement each other rather than step on toes. Right. And you just, John Paul, you handled the loofs, I would imagine, for trolls when it came down to that. They handled the what? Sorry, I got my thing down. All the all the loofs, you know, all the all the complicated. Oh. <laughs> yes, yes, I do, and I've got to tone it down some because I don't want it skipping on uh, on the vinyl. At the, it's always the most terrifying thing because you know if I'm doing it for a video game soundtrack or just something to put on YouTube, I can listen on my speakers here. I can go to my car and listen to it. You can't do that test with vinyl. You just have to wait the six months until oh. they send trolls the the uh, test pressings and then cross your fingers that it didn't yes. screw everything up. Oh, wow. wow. That stressed me out. Just listening to that. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause, and, and you're really, really relatable with the car thing. Cause I always use my car to, to, for the, at least, at least those final mixes you're making sure the base is nice and warm and surrounding. And I, I don't know what I would do without that. Oh yeah. And that's, and it, you know, that's, that's a, a tip. I'm going to be the old guy here for any of you young kids out there. Always have some reference monitors where you know what things sound like on. You know, you go to your car, you know what music sounds like in your car. Music of the mm-hmm. same genre that you're, you know, ideally mixing and producing there. That way you can tell if it sounds messed up. Right. That is that is brilliant advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mine is not the car. My car sounds terrible. Uh, there's, uh, there's, there's an uh, auxiliary, auxiliary aux, that's a hard word to say, auxiliary, fuck it, AUX lead, um, <laughs> coming out of my car. But for some reason, like there's a, there's a, uh, some soldering in there that's not, or some isolation or something that in there that's not working. So whenever you plug anything into it, it goes, <laughs> and it, oh, it, even if you turn it down and, and oh it's terrible and if you and if you just turn the volume up on the on the source like on on your phone that you just plugged in then it, it, it you know the signal is way too loud and it starts distorting and you get these awful clipping sounds my car is not where i do my in fact <laughs> for era 47 and for most of the stuff that we've done uh most of the stuff i have sent jps and this is why it's so good to have an actual professional in the band um most of the stuff I do, I do, I, I, I do with the greatest sin of all. I mix on my headphones. You're not supposed to do that. That's bad. That's bad. Very, very bad. Get yourself good speakers. Never mix on headphones because headphones uh, are not. You, you can't trust headphones. But I do, uh, and I, I can comfortably do that now because mm-hmm. I will just. I, at this point, I've stopped bothering to even level shit out properly. I just sent. To, I mean, if you if you look at my project files, they're clipping. They're they're awful. They're messy. And I just send the stems to JPS, and he'll make sense of it. Um, well, which is that's what we need for our podcast. They're <laughs> so we're, <laughs> so we're gonna start sending. Yeah, exactly. We send it to you too, JPS. Is that the, you can just make it all make sense? Change the words too, as you need to. I mean, if we say something wrong. <laughs> That's a great I actually though. probably I like still I, I I I do some side work here 
just for like local podcast people and stuff. And mm-hmm. yeah, it got to the point where it's just, I was, you know, if, if I was getting it from the same people again, I would listen, I wouldn't listen to the whole thing. I would just check a few spots and okay, this preset still works, you know? Right. <laughs> uh, let's, let's real quick. So the musician nerd, I mean, just wants to do like a kind of like a gear, uh, gear check with you guys. Like I was telling Anna before the show that, that John, I looked up uh, you <laughs> <laughs> you know, so well, first I wanted to see the face, right? Like, who am I talking to, kind of thing, as I always do. But I was like, I wanted to see the guitar you played because I, just, you know, as, as somebody else, a fellow musician for, for long before game stuff, really professionally, anyway, um, I, I learned that you could tell a lot about people from the guitars they play and, and, and stuff like that. So I'm just kind of curious to like check in and do do kind of a, I don't know, a gear check. Like, uh, I'll start with you, John. This is going to get deep. This is going to get like psychoanalysis <laughs> kind of thing. Okay, so well, you're a... My, my setup, as far as any live setting, is super simple. I've got my uh, first year, 2001, uh, John Petrucci Music Man, the custom one. And I haven't played a gig since they bought it without it. That's the purple, I think it was purple guitar? Yeah, it's kind of it's got that two-tone purple-green thing going on. Right, mm-hmm. right. Love that guitar. Never, never want for anything more after that one. Um, and as far as an amp goes, uh, you know, again, live, I just go pretty much straight into my Marshall JVM head and it works out super well. You said JVM? Yeah, JV as in Victor. Okay, okay. It, yeah, it's a type of, I think about, oh, about oh, 10, 15 years ago, it was their latest model. Is that solid out real well. No, that one's a it's full tube. It's class oh, cool. A. Okay. Oh. In fact, it was it was uh, for any gear nerds listening. It was a hundred watt head, <laughs> but a hundred watt tube head is just bonkers level loud. So I, right. I made it a fifty watt head. Oh, nice. See, I haven't had a tube in a long time. The last one I had was the Silver Jubilee, and that had the little fifty one hundred switch on it, which was always cool. Oh yeah, yeah. Those switches are nice. Oh, that's cool. All right. So, and I think, so when I looked at the guitar, I'm like, that's a music man. So, so that means John's probably, he's probably all the things that I'm not in a good way. Like in, in the way that I wish I was like, I was like, he's probably like studied classical is a good engineer. Like just, you know, just really the musical equivalent of having his own music together. Store. Right. The dude has his own <laughs> store. <laughs> and, and I was always just the, the plays it too fast and lose shoots from the hip kind of blues, like, you know, blues player playing everything I'd always done was always off a of feel, let's say. And it's just, you know, it, it more like, I, I don't know, I guess if we were to make it overly deep or psychological, like, like a Les Paul kind of player where it's like, well, those guitars make no sense. So it's probably, probably just, you know, just feeling it out, man, like more like that kind of thing. And then you look at a music man and you're like, that is a wise purchase. <laughs> I'll tell you when, when I bought it, it was very much not a wise purchase. It cost me way too much money. Even back in two thousand one, it was almost three thousand dollars. So, mm-hmm. oh, gorgeous. Huh? Um, but no, there, there's I've never had an issue. I, I am you know I do a lot of theory, a lot of technical stuff. I studied right. classical guitar in college, but one of the best guitarists I ever played with in a band was a guy who couldn't tell you what a C chord was, and mm-hmm. he is. We, I, it was a joy to play with him. We just, we worked so well together, and he was, he could blow me out of the water with his playing, you know. So, right. it's, it's, it's all about every individual person has a different approach, and, and there's a million and a half different ways that are all perfectly valid. You yeah. know, I, I found the way that works for me, and that's great. But there's a, a, a million other very valid ways. 
Yeah, it, it, but it almost seems like you could split musicians into t- into those two groups of of like you know just the the fast oh, and yeah. loose kind of yeah. It, it, and I, I think I, I'm not sure if, if the uh, if both sides are jealous of the other side, but that's probably about fair because you you see something in you know the technical player or like the the super free player, let's say, where it's just like you know, man, I wish I had a little bit of that, but you know, <laughs> instead I don't know how to think technically or whatever the case. So that's pretty fascinating. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's so many times where I hear. You know, uh, whatever the, the, the new rock song on the radio is. I'm like, man, that's just two chords back and forth. Why can't I just, you know, why do I have to make everything so fancy? Why don't I just do those two chords and write a good melody, you know? So I, I, I do know that definitely jealous going one way. Right, right. And I confirm the other for sure. Yeah. I mean, and, and, yeah. Anytime I hear anything classical or, or even especially like um, like nylon string, like Latin, I'm like, oh, man, I so wish I could do that. And classical players have that baked in. It's, you know, it's just being able to run minor scales like that and everything. But anyway. All right. So, so Trolls, what about you? So you're more like on the electronic side. So I think we might be switching more to like plugins or, or are we doing spins uh, or what are we doing? I'm I'm just going to I'm just going to roll off one thing that uh that you know the two camps uh, I used to play in the uh, you know, like dumb punk bands cover bands when I was in in high school and, and nice. university as well and and it it's it occurs to me if you want to put people into two camps you've either got the creatives or the gearheads to be perfectly honest it's very rare to find a combination of the two right. uh, a person who knows what who knows their gear but also has an incredible ear for you know composition and arrangement and all that stuff i used to play with we had two guitarists in the same cover band and one of them was like a punk rock guitarist three chords off we go let's bang some heads and he was super good at keeping time and he was really inventive like when I'd, I'd, you know, I'd be behind the drum kit and I'd go hey what about after the second chorus we just drop everything and then we come in on the on the on like the third hit and he'd be like yeah and then first try we'd get it and it was beautiful and I'd usually be the one who messed that up yeah so everything we did was like super dynamic and, and really fun dynamic, and then we yeah. had the and then we had the other guy who could run circles around john petrucci like he could just Whoa. he could just run his fingers up and down that fretboard like nothing else but that's all he did like when we were in in, in the rehearsal space that's all he did he just run scales he just right. sit there and, and practice running scales so of course he was brilliant at it it's it sounded amazing and we we're like dude maybe we should put that into a solo and he's like no 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 i'd, I'd have to write the solo down it's like write your solo down what the fuck are you talking right. about yeah um, <laughs> He could not, and he could not compose a riff to save his life. He could oh. not. Uh, he could. He could run the scales. He could do all the technical stuff. He had, you know, amps and guitars. Spent all his money on all this gear because he loved the gear and he loved the technical side and he loved the. He was like a mathematician about it. But he right. could not write a fucking riff to save his life. And the other guy just had a practice, like a little, like it was like a suitcase. Like he just picked it up, rolled it in, plucked it in. It sounded like absolute garbage. It even had a hole in the speaker. It's like really punk rock shit. And it just sounded balls out fucking amazing when he played. <laughs> um, that's awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. No, so that's, that, that is, is more or less, a, yeah, you, you're laying out the exact, the two camps as you put it perfectly. Yeah. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's always fascinated me. And because I've, I've always wanted, I guess it's easy to look at somebody shredding and be like, oh, I wish I could just do that. Like, that'd be, that'd be a cool thing to have in my toolbox, but it just doesn't go along with the personality. Like, you can't, being on being in the camp that I'm in, like you can't even look at the the spelled out tablature and be like, okay, let's learn this now. It's like my, the brain just immediately loses focus. Like I'm not, I don't mm-hmm. want to, I don't want to do this. This is an exercise. 
that's uh, and that's and that's why I'm actually I'm, again I'm really happy that JPS is is in the band because I think JPS you know, correct me if I'm wrong but I think JPS is one of those rare breeds who ha- who is a gearhead who knows his shit yes like I said he has his own music store in Chicago uh, mm-hmm. where he actually sells gear and advises people on what to buy and all that sort of shit but he also I mean I don't usually tell him how to play the stuff that we do in era 47 i do like scratch guitars with midi midi sorry whatever um (laughs) like this is where i want the guitar to come in this is roughly what i want it to sound like uh and he just runs with it i don't and and every once in a while we just go usually i go can you turn it up um but that's about (laughs) it really um he's like i need headspace i tend to I tend to be the guy who is like, no, it has to be gnarlier. It has to be more evil. It has to, it has to sound bigger and stuff. And, and JPS is like, well, then you can't hear the actual chords. Uh, so that's- <laughs> you're both right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but anyway, that's my, uh, the, the, the gist of it for sure. Trolls is yeah. I, I, my strong suit is not in writing like rhythm riffs. Yeah. I, I do a lot of lead stuff that I, I think I'm pretty decent at. So, you know, a lot of the scratch MIDI guitar stuff, I, I just kind of try to emulate, emulate that. And sometimes, because, you know, the, the MIDI stuff is just on a keyboard, doesn't take into into account some of the practical limitations of how the guitar is actually played. So it's kind of fun to have to, you know, to translate the, the MIDI guitar into actual guitar. Mm, that right. can be kind of a, a fun challenge from time to time. I mean, my, my expertise with the guitar is it starts and stops with power chords. That's why the guitar I have <laughs> in my closet is this old banger that my old punk rock guitar uh, player gave me f- 20 years ago. And I only recently changed the strings. It only has two strings on it. It, has, punk it has an E. <laughs> and an A string. And the E string is tuned to D. So that's the extent of my abilities. Um, but but yeah, so, so it is, it is fun. Um, um, usually... JPS is right when uh, the rhythm guitar thing is usually because you know it's industrial rock. Usually, I mean, if you've listened to a, a Frontline Assembly uh, circa mid 1996, you know what kind of industrial metal um, guitar sounds like. It's a lot of mm-hmm. chucking, um, yeah. so so there's not a lot of like leeway into you know, let's get fancy with this. But the lead stuff, the guitar solos, things that's that's what I was getting at. Usually, mm-hmm. I'll write something in that's based most of the time is actually just the lead that's from the original media of whatever we're reconstructing in this case the seventh guest uh there's like a piano solo in there and i'm gonna go this is gonna sound awesome as a guitar solo and send it off to to jps and he comes back with this like oodles and noodles and and he's going up and down the front slides and everything and i'm like mm, chef's kisses let's run with it okay. <laughs> <laughs> well that's great no, like I'm a like a it's gonna be too wanky <laughs> i love wanky uh, there's something interesting about the industrial guitar sound because it, it's so. I guess my influence or, or, or half my background is all slash centric. Like that's here's the reason I picked up a guitar. So it's part of me like really loves like you know like the root of blues playing and like a great tone and, and tube amps and, and neck pickups and ladies tone or whatever like Clapton would do with the tone all the way down on the rhythm. But but the other part of me was like in the Tom Morello camp, which was like. The, uh, having like a disregard for the tradition of the instrument and to where I'm going with this is like an industrial rock always had that or I liked that when it had this blurred line between guitar and digitized sound and mm-hmm. so, and so like it almost like served the guitars well to, to sound I don't want to say crappy but like you, you didn't need a tube amp I would uh, is what I'm getting at for for some of like the cool and I, not not for industrial rock because I don't have the 
you know, I don't have the right to say that, let's just say, but for, for trying to get like a untraditional sound from the guitar, like it's no mm-hmm. longer about like the tone anymore. It's just about like kind of fucking with it or finding like a broken pedal. Oh, oh, it's absolutely. I mean, uh, JPS actually taught me uh, what the industrial guitar sound is. It's a dude who plugs his guitar straight into the mixing board and just turns it all the way up, and that's it. <laughs> awesome. um, but um, no, uh, I actually didn't answer your original question. So let me let me just answer both of them. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, my background is not in electronics per se, uh, although technically by necessity it is. When I was a kid. I uh, used to, uh, instead of whatever people in my grade school were listening to, I was listening to synthesizer music. Your Vangelis, Jean-Michel Char, um, Jan Hammer, that kind of that kind of shit, which always weirded people. I was like, why are you listening to that? Uh, yeah, that's very know. relatable. Um, and I looked at uh, the first record that actually got me interested in playing music was uh, I went through my dad's record collection and I played uh, Tubular Bells by Mike Oldfield. Wow, and yes, me too. It's, it's, my, it's my absolute favorite record of all time, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and I look at the back of it and it says, Mike Oldfield plays all of this shit. Right. And I was like, how? How the fuck? How many hands does he have? It turns out you can overdub. I know that. <laughs> um, but uh, so, so, so when I decide okay I'm, i, I want to make my own music does that mean i have to start learning an instrument because i don't think i'd be very good at that um and luckily this was around the time when trackers uh like mod trackers were becoming a thing right. so i got uh, screen tracker 2 for my 386 at the time i didn't have a sound card so it was all pc speaker you had four wow. channels of let's say digital sound but it really was <laughs> you know if you if you put your mouth to a cardboard tube and just go that's how it sounded, um, and so so I, st- I I I got started with mod tracker, uh, mod tracker stuff, and and that means I don't have a formal education in anything music related. The only bits of music theory I've been able to pick up is from, you know, just necessity. I I usually say I just roll my hand head on the keyboard and, so, and stuff comes out, but that's is that is actually what happens. I I know when I'm sitting in front of a keyboard or a piano, that if I hold down these two keys, it sounds good. But if I hold down these two keys, it sounds awful. So mm-hmm. that's how I know chords. And then from playing, from getting into like actually playing in bands as a teenager and stuff like that, I had to sort of get to grips with, oh, this is what a time signature is. Oh, okay. So that's actually a C major and that's a C minor. Okay. I can't read sheet music. I can't read tablatures at all. Tablatures is like fucking, it's like hieroglyphics to me. Um, <laughs> but but I know from, like, if I really concentrate, I can go, okay, so this is an inverted A minor, I think. I don't know. I'm just holding down three keys and it sounds cool. Um, that kind of stuff. And that's still what happens today. In fact, I was rearranging one of the seventh guest tracks uh, the other day. And it was one of those uh, t- uh, tracks from the 11th hour, actually, that has this, this soft arpeggio that runs through it. And it goes uh, over like four octaves, really oh. soft. It's, it's the one that plays when you're trying to solve one of the puzzles. It's called Infernal mm-hmm. Melody, which, by the way, there's a whole story about that. JPS Millet will have to tell you about how fucking cursed yes, yeah. that track is. But anyway, so it has this wonderful arpeggio running all the way through it. And I wanted to have... Uh, a, a guitar playing the chords behind it but since it was an arpeggio i couldn't just look at the notes because they were all like tumbled uh, uh, together so i couldn't figure out what fucking chord this was so i had to and this is true open a tab in my browser go google chord identifier and go and, and just plot in okay these are the notes this is probably the chord it is and then i sit down with my midi keyboard and go c a 
F sharp. That's a bit weird. Okay, let's go to a G. That's even weirder. Okay, that can't be it. And right. then, you know, <laughs> trial and error the shit out. Um, yeah. So so that's uh, so 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 yes. Um, and the reason I picked up the drums is because you don't have to learn musical theory to play drums. <laughs> you don't ha- you don't even have to tune your fucking instrument at every practice. You just sit down and you bash shit out. Uh, drums appeal to me. Um, and, and, and time time signatures are fun because even though, I mean, and, you know, when, when I was a teenager uh, or in, in my early 20s and you used to go to parties and get drunk and listen to, to, to metal music and stuff like that, you know, I'd, we'd, me and my friends, we'd, we'd sit around and pretend we're like we were really smart and go, oh, okay, so this this Tool song, it starts out in 7-8 and then it goes into 8-8 and 6-8 and then it goes into 9-8. Could you tell when it switched? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that kind of thing. But we were just like bullshitting. I mean, if you if you tell a drummer, okay, now this song is in seven eight, and they go, oh, that's the thing where it's missing a beat at the end. Right, let's go. Um, so, I mean, that's that's the extent of musical theory I need. So yes, technically, I'm in the electronics department, but it's by necessity. It's because I don't know musical theory very well. I really, I relate a lot to your coming coming of age musical theory stories, where it's like, oh, so okay, so that's an A sharp, and I just remember when I finally started having the chords worked out. The first thing I could think of was was how that Simpsons episode with the B sharps was wrong. I'm like, there is no B sharp. <laughs> <laughs> now here's the most fucked up thing in in Danish music theory. It's not called a B. A B in Danish music or European music theory is actually the note that North Americans would refer to as B flat. We call oh. that a B, and the B is an H. And there's apparently the story about a European monk who was who was copying sheet music from uh, uh, somewhere overseas, like back in medieval times, and his handwriting was so bad that his Bs turned into Hs. But if you tell a European musician, uh, play a B, or play a B-flat, or, or whatever, they will go, oh, so he means like a B-flat. And you, you have to you have to tell him it's an H, right? Wow. As they play, like, hey, I think you're, I think you need to tune a little bit. You're a little flat there. Right. And here's and here's the thing. Here's the thing. I mean, and then you know, I get to high school and I get really arrogant and I'm going to go. Okay, so there's an elective course on music. Yeah, yeah. I want to be a musician. I want to do. I want to do music stuff. And I it was a complete mistake. It was one of the classes I flunked the hardest. And one of the things was since I'd grown up on on mod trackers. Mod trackers were written by um, people from North America. Uh, I actually. Scream Tracker was written by Finnish people, but they they, they kept the uh, North American uh, music theory. So a B was a B, and a B flat was a B flat, instead of a H and a B. So when I got into music theory, one of the first like crash courses I had was that a B is not a B, a B is an H. And I was like, that already that fuck with my head. And then they start saying, okay, now draw draw a G clef. I'm like, what the fuck is a clef? Oh, it's the squiggly thing. Oh, yeah. and one of the first assignments I handed in, I swapped around. JPS is going to have a fucking field day with this. I swapped around the bass clef and this G clef. So the, the bass clef was on top and the G clef was down below. And he's like, this isn't sheet music. This is a sobriety test. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> actual, actual words from my music teacher. This is a sobriety test. That's amazing. That's brilliant. I'm going to have to remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so the industrial, the industrial. Okay, so now the industrial metal guitar is. Uh, so, so my go-to type of music is. I don't really care what amp it's going through or what they've done to it. I just like my guitars loud, loud and crushing. If I have, mm. if I put on headphones, I want to. I want the guitar to feel like it's squeezing my head. 
uh, right. I won that thing. Uh, so um, if I don't know if you're familiar with a band called Detsy, which was a sort of early 2000s uh, vanity project by one of Cher's sons, actually. He started this sort of weird uh, synth uh, rock metal thing. Um, the guitar sound in that just sounds like a fucking buzzsaw drilling into your ears. <laughs> and I'm like, this is good. I like this. Or um, the guitar sound from, let's, let's pick an example if someone actually knows. Um, Quake 3 was mm -hmm. written by Sonic Mayhem. Sonic Mayhem have this really aggressive sounding, like you can barely tell that it's a guitar. It just sounds like a building collapsing around you. That's the sort of guitar I like. And that's where JPS usually pushes back and says, let's not do that because you can't, you can't make out any other instrument if we have that sort of guitar in there. <laughs> well, that, that leads me to... Track. Oh, sorry. That's okay. I, and that leads me to ask, uh, before we get into Haunted Tracks and everything else, so what is the current project? What What is Soups on and, and what's going on? And, and how did you guys get into doing this? Did you, you must have thrown out some emails and, and how did this whole project come to be? JPS, you're up. I've been talking my mouth off again. So, um, I blacked out. I don't remember <laughs> what the, I don't remember what the initial catalyst was. Uh, but I know we had just recently come off doing uh, the, the last album, CDOS Run, which was a collection of yes. uh, just really obscure DOS game music, which I thought was I thought it was a great record. But it is a lot you know, of fun. It, yeah, it, it, it definitely bombed in the uh, crowdfunding category. So we were a little gun shy, and uh, Trolls had the idea because we, you know, the the. The Soupson's been a meme on his Discord and everything for years, and, and, and all the music it's been just talked about at great length. He's, what if we did a you know a seventh guest thing, and then all of a sudden it started spiraling? It's well, let's, let's see if we can get some extra musicians in here to you know to bolster us up, and you know again like we always talk about, fill in the spots where we're we're not strong at, you know things like you know live violin, live vocals, uh, stuff like that, bass. and and yeah, live bass. Excuse me, yes, live bass. Um, C does run had no live base whatsoever. Yeah. But then trolls, I think at that point we got, I think we did a couple tracks first, but then you emailed George. Is that, is that how that worked? Or did you email him first? Uh, the catalyst, um, as you say, was absolute hubris on my part. We were batting <laughs> around ideas for what to do next, and we were either going to do C does run too, which we were very, like you say, gun shy about, because if no one really wanted the first one, why would we do a second one? Even though we had like a full track list of tunes that we were going to go, this is going to sound great. We were like, mm -hmm. we'll, we'd basically be making it for ourselves. Um, which is also cool. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, we like to get our shit on vinyl. <laughs> really, that's like yes. my main, main motivation for doing all of this. It's just I want vinyls of my own shit. So so, so if, if no one wanted the first CDOS run on vinyl, then they probably don't want the second one either. Um, so anyway, so, so, so out of complete hubris, um, we, I mean, uh, the conversation went, okay, so 10 tracks from different obscure DOS games is not setting the world on fire. Let's find out why. Oh, it's probably because um, just having one track from a game in like a compilation, like a collection of stuff, turns people off in the sense that, oh, it's not tied to any one franchise. Like all the oh. ones that we've been successful with is like, oh, now we're doing a Duke Nukem record. Now we're doing a King's mm -hmm. Quest record. Now we're doing a, you know, that kind of stuff, a Gabriel Knight record. Mm -hmm. um, 
And if you have like a compilation of stuff, then, then people are like really interested in maybe one or two tracks, but they're like, eh, you know what? They're really doesn't really light my shit on fire so we're like okay let's tie ourselves into one franchise or one you know game let's let's go back to that because that seems to work and uh, and the, here's where the hubris comes in Bef- I, I don't think we did any tests or anything to begin with we were just like what games would be fun and mm-hmm. i said seventh guest and uh and 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 he said okay that's one idea sure and i went off and i emailed george sanger the uh, mm-hmm. composer for Seventh Guest and Eleventh Hour. Um, I had talked to him once before on um, on uh, uh, Roberta and uh, uh, you guys' uh, live stream, mm-hmm. uh, the the composer's live stream, uh, which I believe Alistair. Um, yep, he set that uh, organized. up. Organized, yeah, uh, which was great fun. Uh, George mm-hmm. wasn't actually part of the actual live stream, but he came in at like the pre-show thing just to say hi to everyone, and I and I started gushing at him because you know Seventh Guest, uh, the fucking soundtrack is awesome. It was the first, you know, the Seventh Guest was the first thing I ever learned to play on the piano because of that stupid fucking puzzle in the <laughs> game where you have to play it Simon Says style. And he was like, "That stupid fucking puzzle, I can't even beat it." And I wrote the stupid <laughs> fucking music. Um, because it does take so fucking long. Anyway, so so hubris is hi. Uh, you met me once, and I would not stop talking. Uh, would you mind if we did an entire album of your music? And he's like, Yeah, we could probably work something out. Uh, you know, I sent him a link to like Sense of the Fathers and and uh, Duke Dance Party. Uh, like, this is what we've done in the past. Uh, so I think he was expecting us to do like an electronic version of it. Uh, mm-hmm. Not knowing that we'd also done C Does Run, which was more industrial rock, and that's where our hearts were going. Uh, so, but he was like, "Yeah, okay, yeah," because he's he's, uh, and this is not just because he let us do it. I mean, I mean, he's he's a super kind-hearted person mm-hmm. who's really like, uh, uh, he he loves it when people. He's kind of like Robert Holmes in that regard, because he was also like super into what we were doing, even though we were completely mangling his original stuff. <laughs> like we were just just doing weird shit to it honestly <laughs> uh, but he but he, he was like really into it just, yeah 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 because you know musician is a musician like you listen to a different version of a track and you kind of go okay that's interesting what they're doing right. there yeah yeah so george was the same he was like i can you know i can I, that, that could be interesting and also it might get people to like go back to you know my band camp and and pick up the official soundtracks which i have released over there in, in, insert plug here, by the way, the the fat man and team fat.bandcamp.com. If you want the actual official soundtracks, go there. He's remastered and recorded them, and they're available on his Bandcamp page. It's good shit. Um, but yeah, so he was actually on board. And then I went back to JPS and said, remember those ideas we had batting around? Yeah, hmm. we're doing Seventh Guest. But that's... <laughs> yeah. So, and that's... Well, and, and, and the, and the running joke became okay. So what are we going to do to Seventh Guest? We're not going to do like mm-hmm. a. We're not going to do like Sense of the Fathers, Duke Nukem Dance Party kind of thing to it because we just came off C Does Run, and uh, one of the reasons why we did that was a because I really wanted to hear more of JPS's guitar playing because he's a fucking amazing guitar player and I'm not, and there isn't a lot of guitar on the duke nukem vinyl or the, he, he played a bit of guitar on the gabriel knight vinyl but that was still really very electronic stuff uh and i really wanted to hear more of his guitar and i just gotten a, a drum kit like an electronic drum kit a nitro nitro mesh drum kit mm-hmm. 
which there's barely any room for in my room anyway. But um, so so we were like, okay, live drums, live guitars. Let's let's get let's go all in on this shit and let's do the same thing to the seventh guest and the eleventh hour. So the running joke became, okay, so if we're gonna do a rock version of the seventh guest with our musical influences, let's do let's do seventh guest as if performed by Paradise Lost or Typo Negative, because hmm. <laughs> you know it's it's gothic, so it's gothic rock, right? Yeah, let's do that. Uh-huh. Which, of course, it sounds nothing like, but uh, that's that was the running joke, anyway. Yeah, I, I was. We we definitely yeah we went into it with that mindset, but it, yeah, it comes out sounding nothing like that. Which is those bands are great. <laughs> it's like it's like when you see, you know, a random band and they say, you know, our influences are Pink Floyd and Metallica. It's like no, those are the bands you like. <laughs> you know, yeah, you sound like that. You sound like Leonard Skinner, but you know. I mean, it sounds it sounds like what we did on C does run. Uh, right. basically it's a lot of electronic it starts with the electronic stuff and then eventually a guitar comes in and some live drums come in and that's you know and someone someone had his hand on the volume knob for the guitar and there's a, the other dude's hand is like pushing down on that first hand. Just, <laughs> nope nope stop it stop it <laughs> give him a little shoot shoot well this is what I, I, think, I love about talking with the go ahead oh I'm sorry I just want to say real quick I, I think one of the, the the great things for doing an album like this with it with the full soundtrack rather than pulling out the bits and pieces from other soundtracks especially with something as you know as expertly done as the seventh guest and 11th hour soundtracks is you get to do cool things like carry some of the themes throughout the various songs you know there, there's mm. probably just a handful of main themes that are used in all of the various tracks and it's it's kind of fun to you know get a new track from trolls and, and be able to play the same notes but in a completely different fashion you know and it really ties the whole album together. Mm, much like the Lebowski's rug. Yes. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the carpet it's, of it's the album. Tr- Sorry. And, and, it's, and, and uh, the Fat Man does this thing w- with both of those original soundtracks. Is he uses a lot of light motifs. Every get, every one of the six guests guests in the seventh guest has their own instrument. Uh, if you listen to it, like. Uh, 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 Martin Burton has a muted trumpet. Uh, Edward Knox has an oboe. Um, I, I think I think Hamilton Temple, the magician dude, that's like a um, uh, like a wind up box, like one of those like monkey dances on a box kind of thing. <laughs> that's that's his musical instrument. And they also all have their individual theme. Um, and then there's the overarching theme, which is uh, the, the the theme called the game. Uh, which is the you know, kind of seventh cast, do, 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 that thing. So every every time you every time something interesting happens, it's always the same theme, but it's played by a different instrument. That's how the that's how the official soundtrack works. So what we did was so what what we ended up having was like a bunch of MIDI files with basically the same theme played on different instruments, and we're like. We don't have an oboe. Um, let's okay. So it's up to the arrangement to tell the story now. Now it's up to the you know the way JPS plays the guitar and the way I play the drums and the way because for instance like Martin Burton's theme bedspread, which is a tango uh, with a muted trumpet that basically just plays the seventh guest theme, but now it's a tango. And we're like, <laughs> fuck! How do we do a tango in industrial rock? Um, I know. Let's add a breakbeat. Let's add uh, what, what was what was we threw in uh, drum and bass. The drum samples, so it starts off sounding like fucking Chasing Status or Pendulum or something, and then it goes into like full-on uh, double tempo uh, 
madness drums and and poor jps just has to play the same fucking chucking rhythm guitar over it because it's just too that, that, there's the thing only just it's just two fucking chords throughout the, the whole thing and then you get to do lead guitar stuff obviously but so that's that's the fun part that is taking you know trying to tell the story with the light motifs that were uh done with different instruments instead of each each person having a different like motif uh, and, mm-hmm. and 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 try to make them differentiating of through you know different arrangements it makes me think God. of uh, peter and the wolf a little bit you know each one of the characters in peter and the wolf is represented by a different instrument and a different little theme if you've heard of that mm. story mm. <laughs> really um, oh for three nobody none of us <laughs> no, 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 no. i mean i i i heard that david bowie did an audiobook of peter and the wolf Oh yeah, it's an olive branch for you. See, one of there you go. I'll take it. I'll take it. But yeah, yeah, anyways, that's that's what it reminded me. But you know what? That is the cool thing, and that's why I was so excited to talk about this with you guys because you guys take an idea like out of thin air. Like this is this is just an idea. This is something that doesn't exist, and then all of a sudden you, you gather the people around, you make the project happen, you do it. You have a tangible vinyl in your hands. In the end, I've got a few of your tangible vinyls right here with me, and it's just that's amazing in in a world where everybody is so full of like blah 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 talk 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 like whatever you do know or you don't know you bring the people around and you, and you guys are just making it happen so thank you no thank you i mean yeah. the gives me faith that, that's, here <laughs> that's that's what i mean the reason why we started doing vinyls in the first place is because i went to pax uh, a few years ago and did uh, mm-hmm. and moderated one of the adventure game panels for for roberta um, was which was great. <laughs> yes, you were. It was great fun. And then they went by uh, the I Am 8-Bit booth and saw mm-hmm. they had like vinyl soundtracks for games. And me, Good. again, I don't, pay, I don't pay attention to what happens in the world. So so I was like, mm-hmm. do, do game soundtracks on vinyl? Is that a thing? And didn't and you pick up home. a Grim Fandango or something on that trip? Yes, yes. I got yeah. a Grim Fandango and I picked up a mm-hmm. Doki Doki Literature Club vinyl if yeah. you can believe it That's it's a great game i'm, I'm gonna defend that game to the hilt um, me too i'm in there it wasn't spoiled <laughs> for me i loved it no <laughs> probably should have gotten the undertale vinyl but i didn't and now yeah, it's really expensive aw. but it anyway is. so i came yeah. so i came home and and, and and thought you know if you have grim fandango on vinyl why don't we have space quest on again right? i gotta say this is before I knew that game soundtracks on vinyl was like a fucking booming business. I've since mm-hmm. talked to one of the guy, a guy who lives here in Denmark in Copenhagen, who has one of the biggest, if not the biggest, uh, collection of game soundtracks on vinyl in the world. And I went by his wow. apartment and did a video with him, yeah. and it's just Jesus fucking Christ. Okay, there's a lot of it. I didn't know that at the time, so I just came home and went Space Quest on vinyl. Hey, let's do that. No one else is doing it, so I guess mm-hmm. I I'm I'm gonna do it. So I just sat down and did it and it wasn't terribly professional uh but uh, but and it was just uh, you know let's just see if this has legs do space quest 4 and uh, luckily i i know ken allen you know the guy who composed the soundtrack for space quest 4 and he was like and he was he thought it was a great idea i've always wanted my soundtrack on vinyl he said so let's let's do this See, I found everybody to be so darn approachable. Whenever I've gotten a hold of anybody, from Ken Allen to the Coles to anybody else, they're just like, oh, wow, cool, you like it? I liked doing it. Let's talk. Let's make things happen. Like, I have never found, like, you ever feel like you you don't want to meet your heroes because it's just going to be disappointing? And it's like all of these people, the people from the back of the boxes that I have admired since I was a little kid, I'm meeting them in real life, and they're even cooler than I thought they would be, like, and approachable. 
Not one of them has been a letdown. Yeah, sorry, go ahead, Charles. Do you have a letdown one? (laughs) No, 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 absolutely not. I was going to say Ken Allen is Ken Allen is one of the uh, sweetest. I mean, I, 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 like I said, I grew up. uh, Space Quest was my favorite game. Uh, Fourteen years old. Space Quest Four boots up. I hear that fanfare open up for the first time, and it says music by Ken Allen and Mark Siebert. I'm like, fucking hell, those dudes are brilliant. They're geniuses, Mm -hmm. and I I just just loved his music. I would would, like sit and listen to the format countdown. I pause the game on just so I can hear that loop over and over and over and over. Um, I just fucking love that. And then, and then, if you told me that fourteen-year-old who sat there and listened to that fucking thing on loop for hours and hours, that one day when you're like out of college and you live in a one-room apartment with your wife, the person who wrote that piece of music will be sitting on your couch drinking a bottle of scotch and sleeping on your couch. I would have shat my pants on the spot. Yeah, um, <laughs> right? but he did. Oh that's, my yeah. god, that's beautiful. That's a great like, record screech. Out. You're probably wondering how I got here kind of break. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I mean, I've, I haven't had a scotch with, uh, with uh, George Sanger or anything. I've never actually met him in real life, but he has just been such a great support. He's been, mm-hmm. he's been very, very supportive. Every time I've done something to one of the tracks, and it's been a little like, oh, can I get away with this? This is, I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, I told him we were going to fuck with this stuff, but I, this is, this, this might be too much of a fucking. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's consensual anymore. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's, we're not, we're not yeah. really just, we're not really fucking it at this point. We're more like beating it up. Um, so, uh, so, so I'd, I'd send it to him. Uh, for instance, there's that uh, music that plays in the finale of the seventh guest spoiler when you get up to the broom at the attic and uh, Ted has this big fight with Stoff and Stoff starts vomiting all over the place for some reason and turns into a snake and all of that and there's this music that runs under it and it's timed to the um, uh, FMV that's playing Um, and we turned that into a fucking 90s EDM dance club song that for some reason gets a no, and after the EDM thing it has a break and then it turns into Mr. Bungle like this <laughs> fucking circus rock music <laughs> and and it and, and 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 still like the tempo is just it's 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 keeping up with whatever's happening on screen and I felt like okay it just kind of needs a break it needs to sort of cl- like calm down for instance it's first of all it's, it's way too short uh, so it needs to have it, it needs to be like an overarching thing it needs to have a little break so we can speed things back up and go full on uh, you know for the ending so i i and this is very hard to say i actually went in and wrote some stuff myself i inserted myself into that tune like i wrote a little a little bridge i tried to emulate you know the style that the fact but i'm like i'm not a musician so me sitting down and actually writing new stuff to inject into whatever he's done that was like okay i am overstepping my boundaries here this is terrible <laughs> so i sent him i sent him the track and i went yeah you're, not, you're probably not gonna like this uh but uh here it is and uh if you're okay with this we're gonna run with it and he was like dude what the fuck are you talking about this is great and i'm like so he's been very very supportive i have to say and john liked the guitar on that one because apparently it's all phrygian scales and i have no idea what that means but he loved it yeah he's uh george singer for any theory nerds out there he's a big fan of uh at least on this soundtrack there's a whole lot of phrygian stuff which is which just lends itself so beautifully to industrial rock because a lot of the industrial songs that you can picture in your head are Phrygian. So you just don't see it very often. So it worked out real nice. And yeah, and George Singer, he's been just such an amazingly 
kind and generous person with all of this, where he just seems to be having a good old time with us, you know, just absolutely changing. Yeah, it's sometimes very fundamental levels his his music, and he's been nothing but great doing that. He did that video for us just to help promote it on on the Kickstarter, and it's just mm-hmm. yeah, it's just a treat to have him be so supportive. Johnny, yeah. you might have to correct me here, but is Phrygian like the the gypsy gypsy sounding sail? Like, um, like kind of Spanishy vibe to it. Yeah, kind of. So yeah, the, the long story short is you to put it if you want to put it in guitar terms. If you're starting the scale, the very next note is the next fret. So it's it's there's I think there's there's another mode that's like that too. But the, the Phrygian one it, it gives you know like an E, then the next note is minor. You kind of vibe. That. What's what's that? Kind of like a minor vibe, like a like a um, uh, not like a darkness, like a like a little bit of a, a sadness or a drama, I guess. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's they call it a flat two. It's got a flat two in it and. It's definitely one of the modes that leans minor for sure. Yeah, right. and right. I mean, Seventh Guest is full of like really sad stuff because they're yeah. ghosts, they're dead, and they've been hootwinked, and they're, none of them are really nice people except for Eleanor and Hamilton. But Hamilton keeps looking over his shoulder at doors that aren't there. So, <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I mean, the Seventh Guest has a lot of it. The, the funny thing about the Seventh Guest soundtracks, and especially Eleventh Hour is how far they go in terms of um, uh, not just underscoring what's happening in the game, but also just taking chances. Usually mm-hmm. you would have, okay, it's a horror game, so we're going to do horror music. You're going we're gonna, to gonna have uh, the, you know, the, the psycho thing where you have a C and a B next to each other and just hit that periodically and, and just do creepy shit. But no, um, he, George Sanger decided, you know what? Uh, this person needs a tango and this person needs uh, this, this sort of circus music going on. And 11th Hour is even wilder. Like 11th Hour is this... Uh, mid '90s, uh, gritty, uh, quote unquote modern. You know, you're walking through the decrepit house. Everything's a bit more. There's a, a few more tits and a few more. Everything's got to be a little more, like a like a, uh, edgy in a way. Mm-hmm. Like so, so uh, for better or worse, mostly worse. But um, <laughs> so 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 his his uh, his take on that is to go, okay, it's gritty, it's dark, it's got titty, it's got all the things, it's, it's trying to be edgy and stuff. You know what this needs? Hawaiian guitar. Maybe some jazz. Let's do jazz. It's, and it's like, what? Really? So we, we're ending up having to, you know, for the uh, 11th hour, but there's there's going to be a whole medley of jazzy stuff. Wow. That hmm. And it, I have no idea how that's going to sound when it comes out uh, as industrial jazz. I've never even heard of that, but we'll see. So what is this cursed track that you guys have brought up what's going on oh. here are we even going to get it then and if we listen to it will we survive what's happening oh it, oh, it, it is going in the amount of hours we spent on that fucking thing it's called infernal melody and it fucking melody. lives up to its name Holy shit. <laughs> um first of all okay from 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 my perspective um, just doing the arrangement. We're not even done with it. Now, here's the thing. This this has a killer punchline. Um, but okay, so I load the thing in. I load in the MIDI file from the game because that's where it all starts. You know, I take the original MIDI file and then I rearrange that and then I start thinking, okay, so what can I do to fuck with this thing? Um, so I load everyth- everything in and the first thing I have to do is figure out what BPM it is. What tempo are, are we talking about? Um, turns out 
that that whole arpeggio thing I was mentioning earlier, that big luscious arpeggio is played on a harp uh, and it goes mm-hmm. all the way over the scales and all that, is not played to a click at all. He sat down and played that on a fucking keyboard Oof. without a click. Oh. So first of all, I have to grit all this shit. I have to take all these massive arpeggios and grid them into some sort of workable BPM. Takes forever. Okay, mm-hmm. next up, um, there's a middle bit. After it's done with all this sweet arpeggio in 3-4 time, uh, you know, waltz tempo, 3-4 time. Be- beautiful, very nice, very luscious. Again, uh, it has a break. It switches to 4-4 four, four and a completely different tempo, <laughs> and <laughs> which is a, a mercifully actually played to a click. But that means you have to you, know, you have to tell your DAW to, okay, now we have to get into a different tempo and a different uh, time signature. Fine, we get that working. <laughs> finally, <laughs> I finally get the whole thing sort of arranged. I start, because uh, what usually, workflow usually is, I'll, I'll, I'll arrange the tune pretty much as it is in the game, and then I'll do a few things to it, and then I'll send it to JPS, and then we'll sort of talk back and forth. Like, what, what would be cool to do with this thing? What would be interesting? <laughs> Sometimes I just run with, if like, I have like a, quote unquote great idea in my head I just run with it and I send him something completely bad shit and he goes fine but uh, with this one I I arranged the whole thing because it was cursed already to begin with and uh, I uh, on on the evening I was going to send him all of this this stuff right before I went into export uh, the stuff and send it to JPS the whole project goes silent as in completely silent. You press space to actually play something, nothing comes out of the speakers. I can see the little meters moving, but nothing is coming out. And I'm like, that's weird. Um, okay, let's just, oh, oh, it's probably an audio device thing. Let's go in and reset the audio device. Let's pick a different audio device. Let's, let's turn the volume up. Did I turn the volume down? Is there something wrong? Are my speakers unplugged? All this stuff, nothing, nothing. I load up a different project, everything plays fine. So, okay, so this project is cursed. <laughs> but I can still export the stems, you know, the individual stems. So uh, JPS can import those and put them in, in, in his stuff and, and have it come out sounding good. Uh, so he does. Uh, I have a completely silent project, but he has stems that he can actually work with. And he puts it all together, sends it to me. JPS works really fast, so I have it in the morning where, you know, t- wise so he works when i sleep and vice versa i get it in the morning i listen to it on my morning cigarette break and it's just what the fuck is this mess the violin comes in at the wrong place everything is off kilter uh something keeps going it's not supposed to what's that echo what the fuck is going on (laughs) and 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 we and we message each other and go yeah it's cursed it's cursed yeah it's cursed um (laughs) so uh, later that evening, I have my, my kid in, uh, in, you know, in the bedroom. He's watching a video on one of the monitors I have, and I'm over on the other monitor going, what is wrong with this fucking project file? <laughs> um, I go through it. I finally managed to work out what it is. It's one of the send buses that have been soloed. Uh, in, the, in the DAW I use, the, the solo and mute buttons are all in the same place, except when you do buses. For some reason, they've moved the buttons over so i thought i'd went i'd gone through all the tracks and muted and unmuted and soloed and unsoloed everything everything except for the fucking buses so okay so one of the one of the buses was soloed fine so it's not totally cursed i go in and i listen back to it and all of the different tempo changes time signature changes that i put in there's they're still there they've just decided to take a break they're not gonna fucking do anything so again all the stems 
uh, the intro sounds fine, but after the first minute and a half, everything gets off tempo and everything is not gridded anymore. And everything just sounds like a fucking mess. So I sit down and try to work out why it is, and then it's just like, nope, fuck it. I'm just, I'm just gonna put in new tempo, just new, new flags, new tempo changes, new time signatures. Luckily, I know what they are and where they're supposed to start and all that. So everything slots back into grid, and yeah, finally we've got a working project file it actually plays it actually is gridded now everything's fine control s mix to stems send them to jps he gets you know he mixes it and returns it the next morning i listen to it on my cigarette smoking break and i go this is boring this is dull <laughs> nothing's happening we we spent all this time on this fucking tune and it's dull we need to do something and that's where we're we're at currently with infernal melody <laughs> so finally it works but it's dull so we need to do something to it. Oh, God. That's rough. Yeah. Because I imagine you've already... Well, I was going to see you probably already heard it a million times trying to fix it, but it sounds like a lot of the problem was a silent problem. When you're, when the you're silent <laughs> problem. The silent problem was... And, and, the, and the tempo flag's not working. I still don't know what the fuck was up with that. Um, but it, yeah, that first mix... And, and JPS is such a nice guy. Like, when he hands something back, I think he wrote something like, um, uh, so here's a jumping off point. Like here's a start. <laughs> like <laughs> instead of just coming right out and saying this sounds cursed again, <laughs> but it, it, it sounded it sounded terrible. It gives me enough to start getting the the, the 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 template for everything going. Yeah, but I was like really. And it's funny that we were we're we're talking about it right now because I was planning on working on that today, and you're like, oh wait, we've got this podcast to do. It's like, well, clear the schedule. Uh, Oh, oops. sorry. Continues. There's always tomorrow. But I'm, I'm. I was like really worried. Some, sometimes when I send you stuff that doesn't really work or has like uh, like a drum track that I forgot to quantize or something, I'm like super worried. When you send stuff back, you never tell me. So I'm like super worried that you think this is the level he's at, isn't it? Like he actually thinks this sounds good. <laughs> like he actually thinks there's no problem with this. <laughs> and and this one was like borked. It was like fucked backwards into existence. Uh, it was super awful. And I imagine you, you listen to that and go, "Okay, he's lost it." But I'm gonna keep a straight face. <laughs> no, with Infernal Melody, it was most definitely it was. It, it's hard to explain, but it was obvious that there was issues with with the with the session going on. I. When you do this enough, you start to, to recognize what's the session being goofy and what's, you know, possibly a <laughs> ill-thought-out idea. Are you? I'm just, was, just a nerdy question. Are you guys using the same doll? Does no, that complicate no. things? No. Okay, now Control I need to know which one's using. Mixcraft? I'm using Mixcraft. Uh, not from choice. Uh, ironically, a, a, a company a few years back uh, called uh, Giggle Horse Games uh, oh, yeah. said, we'd like we'd like you to compose the music for our adventure game Absolute Zero that we've been working on. It's coming out like every, in a few months and it hasn't come out yet um, but it looks really, really good and I, and I said I'd love to but I don't actually have a DAW uh, at the time. I've, uh, this was before King's Chill, this was before uh, the Space Quest reorchestration vinyls, this is many, many years ago so at the time I was working on a hushed vo voice uh, a pirated version of Ableton 6 or 7 I think um, that's just, you know, for shits and giggles, I didn't actually, you know, put out anything 
with that, I was just playing around, uh, and Ableton's like really expensive. So I said, I, I, I told Gigglehorse, you know what? I, I've I've been using Ableton, but and and the, the industrial band I was in, I was a teenager. The the dude who did all the programming, he used Ableton as well. So that's where I picked it up and learned it. Um, uh, so and they go, that's really expensive. Uh, we're gonna get you Mixcraft, and it's like I've never used Mixcraft. She's like, ah, nah, it's probably fine. <laughs> a dollar's a dollar, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, so I kind of had to like relearn how to walk and talk with the uh, Mixcraft. Yeah. I think I've gotten the hang of it now. JPS uses, I mean, not not that Mixcraft isn't professional regular stuff, but it's very rarely mentioned in the same breath as Logic or Pro Tools or Ableton Live. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, JPS is all over the professional shit. Yeah, I've been using uh, Cakewalk and Sonar for mm. over twenty years at this point, and. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love it. It's, it's, to, to, again, to anyone out there listening, if, if you want, a, and it's right now it's free, but they're going to start charging for it again soon. But yeah, oh. no, I, I love that software. And it, 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 it does create kind of unique problems because, you know, Cakewalk is, is very similar, you know, your Cubase and Logic and all that stuff. But Mixcraft is really its own thing. And a lot of the terminology <laughs> and the settings and how it's done mm-hmm. don't really carry over. So, you know, if trolls is having an issue, I have difficulty trying to, to, you know, visualize it and try to help out, try to figure out what's going on because things are very different between the two pieces of software. I think that's, and that's why we do solely when we're transferring back for this, just the audio files because audio is universal. You just send the audio track, you can load it into anything. Yep. That's it. That, that's, that's why I always mix it down to stems. Uh, right. and send that. I never never send a project file. I don't even know what plugins uh, JPS has, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't know what plugins I have, and it doesn't really matter in the end because uh, uh, everything we do is, uh, is, is, is just audio. It's basically like being in a rehearsal space and someone plugs in their shit and someone else plugs in their shit, and then they jam away until something comes out. We don't know each other's gear <laughs> very well. Um, but yeah, Mixcraft is... I mean, I, 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 I've come to love it but it has some quirks <laughs> for one thing whenever you load in a vst that has an arp as in something that's supposed to line up with the bpm sure it'll play fine when you're actually working in the project file but if you um, bounce that into stems or into a wave file you have like a 50 50 chance that that vst will suddenly shit the bed and decide oh, yeah. i'm now in a different tempo oh, have oh. fun with this it's a and, gas and, lady <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. And and there was uh, the time when we did the Space Quest One movie soundtrack, and and yeah. I was just I had to learn this the hard way because I just you know send stems, I mix down to stems, everything sounds fine in the project file. Let's mix it down to stems, send it off to people who are gonna mix this and make it sound good. That would be JPS, Brandon Bloom, and uh, JBH uh, over the Discord. They were mixing this stuff. All three of them just went, uh, "Is this supposed to sound like that?" And I had to go in and, and play, play the project file, and everything sounded fine. I didn't know what the hell they were talking about. And they'd send me like a test bounce, and I go, What the fuck is that? Okay. So I've learned now that whenever you do something <laughs> in Mixcraft that involves VSTs, your best bet is to uh, do like an, like an in project bounce, like freeze the track. So it makes a WAV file of it. And then you can kind of tell if that's going. So, oh, oh here's an interesting one. Um, so when I do like uh, MIDI guitar on the seventh guest tracks, and uh, when we did uh, C Dust Run, I do like little MIDI guitars for JPS to play along and listen to. Um, every once in a while, and we still haven't figured out why, uh, when you bounce down the MIDI guitar, it's a it's an app called or it's a it's a VST called Ample Hellraiser, 
and it's, it sounds really good actually yeah it's, it's really good for a for a for a synth uh, metal guitar uh obviously not as good as an actual human playing it which is why we only use it for scratch guitars um but uh, but that's that's the vst i use because it sounds like a guitar so that's what i'll that's what i use every once in a while though you bounce something down and it creates a huge ass explosion a nuclear <laughs> bomb going off at the start of the track and JPS has sent me back test mixes of stuff like Coffin Dance from Seventh Guest. You know, the, the boogie thing that goes on when you're solving mm-hmm. the coffin puzzle. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. the, the, for the longest time, the test MP3 I, I, I had to listen to in my car started off with this nuclear blast going off at the start. <laughs> and so he was like, are you sure this VST is fine? No, no, it's not fine. I'll, I'll freeze all the tracks in the future. Sorry. So it's it's a good doll when it's not sending people like explosions or like a weird prog rock tempo in place of what you meant. I, I mean, JPS JPS must have gotten it, again. Is is he serious? Is this is this nuclear blast supposed to be there? No, it isn't. Well, there was, I think it, yeah, I think it was Coffin Dance that started off with that one, and I'm like, okay, well, it's just going for that kind of noisy industrial thing at the beginning, you know? It didn't seem too terribly out of place. No, but it was loud. Yeah, it, it, it was pretty loud. The same thing happened in that Infernal Melody song, though. Again, that was another yes. one of the cursed parts of it. God, that's right. Yes, because one of the things... Scared the daylights out of me. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even mention that because, of course, one of the things I did when it went silent on me was, again, mute on mute, solo on solo, all the individual tracks. And in that process, I forgot that when you freeze a track, what Mixcraft does is it takes the MIDI data, the MIDI track, makes a separate audio track where it puts the WAV file of that frozen track, and then it mm. mutes the original MIDI track. I had unmuted all of the MIDI tracks, so they would play concurrently with the already bounced. So, so first of all, the violin and the guitar were monstrously loud, and of course, the fucking Hellraiser VST does the nuclear explosion again. So this quiet, lilting... Uh, harp sound, you know, three, four waltz time, very soothing, starts out with a fucking nuclear blast right at the start. <laughs> no, not not even at the start. No, not even at the start. Like midway through. Oh, even right? worse. <laughs> One of those classic trolls nuclear bombs. You know, it's his it's, it's signature yeah. thing. <laughs> it was definitely, yeah, it was like three minutes in. It was, and it was completely out of nowhere. Just enough for you to have your guard down so it could properly scare the shit out of you. Nice. Yeah. Yep. I mean, what... One day we're going to have to sample that and actually use it for real. Like use it for something. <laughs> well, I'm sure I've got it in, in some of these sessions. I obviously, I mute them, but I'm sure they're still there somewhere. Oh, I'm sure I can recreate it. I'm sure all I have to do is not pay attention and it just sneaks along. <laughs> um, all right. I've got, I've got a, I get a question I really do want to ask. So I know it's been kind of a while, but, but, Real quick, or not real quick, it's up to you. Um, <laughs> I'm curious what it's like. This is such a like a vaguely, I don't know, vaguely put question too, because I, I don't know what I want from it. I just kind of want to hear you talk about it. What What do you do? <laughs> That's really bad. All right, hold on. Um, <laughs> put some effort into it. Okay, so you're you're taking a lot of songs that potentially don't have percussion or don't don't really have a drum track. Let's say. Um, is, is that like, I guess I want to just know, is that like the most fun to, to produce like a rhythm track for it? And I just want to know more about what it's like to put percussion rhythm tracks to, you know, like scores or, or things from games that don't have, you know, any sort of percussion. Oh, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to let JPS, uh, answer it, but I just want to get in real quick. Uh, it's all 
fucking ego on my part. I have a drum kit. I'm going to fucking use it. So, <laughs> so I'm going to shove that. I'm going to shove drums into as much shit as I can. So that's my mm -hmm. motivation for doing it. I don't know what JPS is. So with me for a lot of that kind of stuff, it's, it's a combination of things. So you take, you know, take the original context, obviously we're, we're, we're paying homage to, you know, the greatness that was this soundtrack and the game and all that stuff and what it meant. And we're, we're, we're keeping the same general vibes for it, but we're, we're, we're kind of dis dissociating with the very specific use of it. So we're, the way I approach it is not necessarily, you know, exactly what it was used for in the original game. Just if I were to have, you know, a song with these chords and this kind of, general feel to it how would i play this this lead part or how would i you know mix the drums in and stuff like that and just kind of you know whenever you're doing cover stuff like that the, one of the most important parts is to make it your own we're not trying to do note for note covers we're trying to throw our own spin on it and keep keep true to the original and pay respect of course to the to the great original and you know try to add something of our own into it as well it's that that hubris thing trolls always talks about yeah, that is that is the professional answer, and and it's, you're absolutely right. Uh, one of the things we really wanted to do because we had such fun doing it on the Gabriel Knight record was to, in a sense, make it like a concept album because it's just the music, but we wanted to tell the story of the game in mm -hmm. musical form. So instead of uh, instead of uh, doing it like a note, it's not a remaster. It's not a a recreation of the original soundtrack it's a way of telling the story using the original music from the games and 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 repurposing it or mm. reorchestrating it or whatever to tell that story so um we we throw in for the seventh cast we throw in uh, audio samples from the actual game with permission from trilobite by the way yay hmm. um so that we can so we, so so the so the, the album starts with he was a drifter moving from no actually it doesn't even do that it starts with stuff going old man stuff builds a house and you know does that whole thing and then it bombs into the game you know the, the the theme song from from the actual and then it goes into he was a drifter and then starts telling the story of stuff and then it starts telling the story of this of all the seventh guests and eventually uh we we drip feed in stuff from tad and then the whole thing ends with um you know the confrontation in the room at the top and it's got samples of tad and stuff battling it out and and you know the seventh guest part ends with tad going you fixed it i'm free again or whatever the fuck he says and <laughs> then the closing credit skeletons in my closet which has jackie you know from cgg singing on it um <laughs> comes in as, as sort of like the closing credits thing. And 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 one of the cool things that, that we did, I can't remember if it was my idea or JPS's, but uh, the seventh guest outro, the one that ends with Tad going, you freed me, everything's changed, now and forever. Oh, that's the tune, that's the name of the tune, now and forever. And it, mm. and it goes into this lovely major chord, like everything's resolved, angels mm. are singing, all of that stuff. And then we do this thing where there's, um, uh, we, we've actually taken the uh, the main theme from the 11th hour, which is the game played on Hawaiian guitar, and we've EQ'd it so it sounds like it's coming out of a TV, and then we play the news oh. report from the 11th hour intro where it says, uh, you know, police have stopped looking for Robin Morales. It's, it's clear that something awful has happened to her, and it goes click, and there's the sound of grinding gears, and then the clock strikes 11, and Stoff laughs manically, and that's how the seventh guest bit ends. Awesome. 
Oh, then, yeah, that was that, so satisfying. Great question, <laughs> that, that would, that would mm-hmm. lead into the 11th hour uh, bit. And obviously, the 11th hour is not going to end on, on such a poetic note. It's going to end no. because it has to <laughs> it has to yeah. end with the main menu theme, Mr. Death. It has to mm-hmm. because there's a yeah. line in that very, very silly song that says, I can't sing the rest. And we have to just stop the record right there. That has to be the last note on the record. <laughs> the last beautiful. note has to be a record scratch. Yeah, so we even have to switch around the lyrics to make that fit, but that, I, I'm just dead set on it. Even one of our uh, guest um, contributors to the record, Frederick, uh, actually, backseat designer Frederick, yeah, uh, he, did some, he, he did some synth work on, uh, on one of the 11th Hour tracks. He suggested that if we can do it, let's make that record scratch, you know, the one uh, that sounds when you, when you pick something in the main menu in 11th Hour, I can't sing the rest, record scratch, let's put that in a looped run-out groove on the last side of the final, so it just oh, goes on yeah. forever. Actually I like stuff out. like that a lot. <laughs> Uh, uh, Frederick Olson's been been contributing some synths to to Trolls to, to add in. That's, that's some of his contributions to the project. And uh, I didn't know which were his and which weren't, so Trolls sent me a, a project. I even forget which which song it was. But really? I was doing the mixing, and I halfway through it, I got to this one track that just it made my eyes water. And I sent a message <laughs> to Trolls. I'm like, what is that just unholy <laughs> abomination? That, that, and you go, oh, you know, that's just Frederick. Oh, okay. Well, that doesn't explain it, but it explains it at the same time, you know? Yeah, that tracks. Yeah. It was one of the lead instruments. And I don't know. I mean, Fred sent me uh, some of this, you know, the, the synth stuff that he did. And I put that into the project file that I was doing. And he, he sent along a version of the lead. It's uh, The track is Rain, which is sort of like mm-hmm. the main theme of the 11th hour. It plays during all the significant bits. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really weird track, too. I love it. And he sent me in the lead bit. Uh, but played on this, like imagine, like it was, it was almost like a like a Trent Reznor-ish thing. Like he'd taken some sort of synthesizer, like a real modular synthesizer, and he'd like played the thing on it, the lead on it. But then he'd run it through like a like a Tube guitar streamer. pedal or <laughs> yeah something, yeah. or he yeah. just he just recorded onto a cassette tape and then ate the cassette tape and vomited it back up or something. I don't know what he did to it, but it just sounded like nightmarish. Played it through that, that boss like, heavy metal pedal that everyone likes to shit on. <laughs> I, am, I was going to bring that up earlier. It's the boss metal zone into the board is the metal zone, sound. Yes. Nice, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and it sounded awesome. And it, I mean, so so it's it, it's in the track. Obviously, we lowered the volume a bit, and maybe gave it some reverb and stuff. But it's it's in there uh, because it, you can't throw out something that evil. It just has to stay in, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Especially in this kind of a project. I mean, the whole tone of it is that little bit of darkness, that little bit of, you know, that edge, like you say, kind of, I mean, Phantasmagoria too, because I played it recently, went in the direction of going just a little bit darker than anything before, just a little bit more nudity, a little bit more, you know, that sort of thing. The second so, one. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, especially, um, oh, sorry. Am I interrupting? No, no. Go ahead. Okay, sorry. I saw the meter going up and down. It's like, oh shit, am I interrupting someone? No. Um, uh, th- 
yeah, you're right. It's it's sort of a darker. Uh, I mean, it's it's supposed to be gothic rock, but also, I mean, Seventh Guest is kind of a Scooby Doo uh, gothic horror thing. I mean, that's at least what Graham mm-hmm. Devon, uh, one of the designers, described it as. It's it's horror, but it's Scooby Doo horror. It's not you know, it's not gonna. You can take off so, its mask at the end, and it's okay. Yeah, that sort of stuff. I mean, there is vomit, but it is not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the eleventh hour went a bit in a more sort of let's be gritty, edge lordy kind of type of people, and it's actually what drove trilobite uh, to pieces unfortunately because uh, they didn't you know the two designers didn't see eye to eye on that idea uh but uh basically i mean it it's it's not i mean it's a slightly goofy horror ish uh but we are trying to treat it with very deep respect i mean in mm-hmm. instead of people remembering I, uh, I i would imagine and there are a lot i mean if you see youtube reviews of the seventh guest and the 11th hour everyone talks about how goofy the fmvs are and how slow the gameplay is and how the puzzles have nothing to do with the story and how the story is really hard to follow as well um and and and, and all of this stuff and yeah you could totally make that argument that it's it's goofy at least with modern eyes especially with modern eyes i should say uh but but we there is a really really good story in there uh, that deserves to be uh, told and deserves to be treated seriously. At least I feel. Mm-hmm, right. uh, I, I mean, even even the official novelization. We were talking about this before we started uh, the show. Even the official novelization is pretty damn goofy, and it was written by the dude who wrote the original script. So somewhere between the game and writing the novelization, he just decided, okay, yeah, it's a cartoon now. Fuck it. Um, <laughs> the guy actually got high as shit uh, right around midway, and <laughs> something like that. Uh, but we we're, we're trying to, we're trying to like like tell it like you know the Netflix adaptation of the seventh guest like we we want to treat this as seriously as possible and on a personal note it's also been kind of a dark time for me personally making this project so obviously some stuff has gone into darker territory audio wise than uh we would normally i mean uh, since of the fathers was this like fun and games kind of let's let's fucking do this let's pump it up and uh and try and tell the story soberly and, and seriously of course but also let's let's bring in some break beats let's sample the almond break let's do fun shit with this this one got a little heady at times uh for me personally at least well as an audience though i mean that's feeling emotion or feeling something like that in the music i mean because it mm. obviously it's going to come through people want that i mean something that's raw something that is a little bit off or maybe some dissonance just in in your own life i mean you can look at that with a lot of famous musicians when things are going really difficult for them oftentimes the music they produce has something extra in it it's like you lose we win yeah yeah I mean, so, sucks uh, to be George Sanger who has to listen to <laughs> has to listen to a depressed Danish person knocking out versions of his tunes. But yeah, that's well, it's uh, working. You guys are more than getting. halfway there. I'm, I'm looking yeah, at your numbers, I about, and I know it. Go ahead. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just, it's, I, I talk about that all the time, though. It's kind of like the artist dilemma because you know, especially in, in this realm, you know, great art comes from suffering and all of that stuff. So it's like when you have art that isn't inspired by, you know, hurt, then it's not going to come out sounding deep and meaningful. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's very, it's, it's that double edged sword. Okay. So I wrote this, this, this great music, or we did this great music and now I, you know, I'm rich and I'm famous and I'm happy. And well, how do I write That's that same it. song again? Well, you can't, oh, you know, it's just, exactly. it's like, why does Metallica not sound like, the same Metallica from 1985. Well, because right. they're not drug addicts and they're rich, you know, like exactly. It's There's just like not going to be the same. 
how, how can with... Jonathan Davis go out and, and oh, well, obviously he has his, his own issues. I'm not trying to belittle him <laughs> or anything, but I mean, how can he go out and sing stuff from the first corn record in his million dollar Adidas tracksuit? Uh, now he does it and he does it spectacularly, but you think, okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, they get better on the technical side, but they lose that angsty, you know, early energy. So it's like, it sometimes it balances out. Not always. Yeah. Yeah. I would assume with something like that, it's more of a, more of a performance than anything, which nothing wrong with that. I'm not, I'm not knocking anything like that, but I, I would bet it's quite a bit of performance yeah. involved there. Oh yeah. I mean, serendipitously, I feel uh, not to, not to bring this back to me all the time, although that is one of my traits. Um, it's something I'm very good at. Uh, serendipitously, we picked a game uh, to, to tackle or a project to tackle that actually, if you look at it a certain way, if you don't look at it as a 90s FMV with some, frankly, slightly hammy acting and, and puzzles disconnected from the plot and all that, there is a very deep and serious story there if you mm-hmm. if you want to look deep enough and you can translate that into some fairly dark uh, uh, music. You can tell that story in a... Again, like I say, it's the Netflix adaptation of The Seventh mm-hmm. Guest. Like you, can, you, can, you can tell that story in a different way that is disconnected from the... Uh, again, I'm not saying that's the legacy of the Seventh Guest because its Seventh Guest is a magnificent game that deserves praise and respect, but it does have a reputation these days, at least amongst, you know, YouTubers, dumb, dumb YouTubers like myself, uh, for being slightly goofy. Uh, mm-hmm. And and the record we're doing is not goofy, and no. partly because we want to pay respect to the work that was done, and partly also because of where my personal headspace has been in the past few months. As so, yeah. That's where it is. Part of me wants to give some some of that credit, which I have no right to do because it's this is for you to say, trolls. <laughs> well, both of you, honestly. But part of me almost wonders how much you growing up with uh, Vangelis and Mike Oldenfield has to do with your like propensity to tell a story with the music, because I I I, I grew up heavily influenced by by Vangelis and and kind of influenced my professional life or what hopefully is my former professional life. Hopefully this game does good enough. But but it's mm-hmm. it's that desire to, to to tell to tell a story with the music because I always felt like long story short that the music in let's say Blade Runner was one of the characters in the film like it, it was absolutely it was that vital to to and and if we've you know uh, yeah we've totally gotten away from that in modern film and we don't really cherish or or like I don't know value I guess the the scores as as what they used to be but. Anyway, I just I'm almost I guess I'm gonna just go ahead and mutate this into a question. Is do you think that could be the case that, that listening to Tubular Bells and Vangelis like ha- has your mind frame of looking at how to make the music a character? Uh, for for me personally, I, th- I think uh, I I don't know if it, it was a catalyst or anything. I've always been interested in in storytelling uh, and and knowing my limitations uh, as a I've, I mean. I'm not a writer. I'm not a game designer. I'm not any of these things. I'm not even a musician technically, but now I have a band with an actual musician in it. So we can use that as a storytelling framework. Um, and, and I mean, some of my favorite bands uh, or some of my favorite albums, like the wall and uh, Marilyn Manson's antichrist superstar yeah. and, and stuff like that are all, uh, are all records that tell a story. Sometimes a little convoluted, sometimes a little hard to follow. Uh, those are fun. I mean, one of my favorite albums is Genesis is the Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, which is completely impenetrable, but it is a story nonetheless, and right. it's really interesting. Um, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I love love storytelling outside of your... Because when you say storytelling, you either think of four dudes around a campfire or reading a book. Um, right. I love I love the idea of alternate 
methods of storytelling. Music is a storytelling medium. Most people don't seem to either agree or or care about that part of it. They see Latter, it as, yeah. you got a you got a Spotify playlist. Uh, let's let's uh, uh, let's watch me whip and watch me nay nay. Fine, mm-hmm. if that's what you're into. <laughs> Do that. I'm not knocking that at all, but it's also good for. Uh, uh, telling some sort of cohesive story. And that's what we tried to do with the Gabriel Knight record, where we had these long medleys of different tracks that told right. the story of a character. Like Malia's uh, theme started out with the uh, Voodoo Mound music and then morphed into, I think it was the Swamp music, like when you're going to the Hound Four. And, and then there's the tune that plays right when you're inside her um, uh, mansion and, and all this stuff. So we made these medleys that told stories of individual characters. Uh, Eyes of the Snake was uh, was the story of Crash, the informant, who <laughs> ends up being choked to death in a church from millions of miles away. And was, uh, fun times. <laughs> well, so your Kickstarter is doing really well. Now I'm looking at it in Canadian dollars because I'm over here in Canada, but you're well over halfway. I think here you, uh, by the time this episode comes out early in the week, it'll be even further. You guys have some really fantastic rewards, including even uh, versions of the record that have colors in them instead of the traditional color and, and some other cool stuff. So why don't you let us know what some of those rewards are? JBS, again, I've been talking too much, as I always do. No, Please you're so. you're a better talker. I say I know you always say that English is your second language, but you speak better English than I do. When I was born in Milwaukee, oh. so <laughs> which, uh, which yeah, we so all the, know is the home of the English language. Yes, <laughs> exactly, place. exactly. Um, but no, so there are some some great little um, rewards for the for the Kickstarter stuff. You know, like you said, the, the colored uh, trolls will know better the specifics of the colors. There's a, a few. Uh, color varies, but the one that gets me is George uh, Singer was so very kind and went and dug into his own personal collection of stuff from this time period, and he found uh, an old fat man, which is you know his nickname, George Fat Man Singer, um, an old fat man uh, coloring book mm-hmm. that he's very graciously donated as part of the reward scheme, and, and so there, there, that in and of itself is. Uh, Worth the price of yeah. admission, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that one it's is, beautiful is looking. <laughs> yeah, and it's and, and it's a, it was made in 1994, so a year after the seventh guest came out, and it's the original. It's not like something we photocopied or anything. He actually dug it out and is going to sign it, and also it is an authentic artifact that he's sending us. We're very very grateful about that. Also. I kind of feel bad about putting you on the spot all the time, JPS. I'm very sorry about that. It's just I don't want to be Billy Corgan. So, <laughs> believe me, you're not. That's all right. The only thing you'll be so you'll be smashing is your Kickstarter goals out of the Hopefully. park. Yes, that's wow. the plan. Thank you. God, I <laughs> And thank you so much. Yeah, and and oh, the other rewards is we're gonna do like a like a cassette tape uh, version that I'm gonna hand up on my dad's old. Uh, uh, Technics, uh, professional grade level, uh, but I'm gonna like buy cassette tape, blank cassette tapes, and do a hand dot version of it. I mean, it's gonna sound as f- cassette tapes that you can actually buy today, which is not as great. If anyone's ever watched the Tech Moan video, you'll know cassette tapes mm-hmm. didn't always sound like crap, but now they do because all you have is the cheap sh- shit. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's it's not gonna sound terribly great, but it is gonna be a collector's item. 
and we are going to do as a band. We're going to get me and JPS and uh, Jackie and Michael, our bass player, and Eric, our violin player. We're going to get all in a in a little Discord huddle and record individual greetings to the person who backed for this tape. So all the tapes are going to start with a personal greeting to wow. that person. Yeah, that sort of stuff. That's really and uh, and there's the box set thing where uh, one of the things I kind of had to I I wanted to get that in there. Uh, for no other reason than because I thought it would be super, super fun. Um, you know how in Seventh Guest, all the guests get a secret letter from Stoff? Mm -hmm. It goes, uh, my dear Edward, welcome to my house. No, actually, that's mm -hmm. Brian. Dear Mr. Mm -hmm. Dutton, welcome to my house. Uh, the house is full of clues, all this sort of stuff. So I wanted to include like a letter to the backer from Stoff. Uh, mm. It's basically just going to be, you know, the letters from the seventh guest, but reworded. Uh, you know, so welcome to my house. The house is full of clues. Uh, since uh, I remain as always your host, Henry Stoff. Um, and uh, the reason why I wanted to do that is a because hey, it would be pretty cool, and b because my wife um, writes in cursive, like mm. this really elaborate cursive, and she's never been able mm. to write in anything else. She doesn't do block letters. Like she really yeah. has to concentrate to do it. So she writes in this really sometimes slightly hard to read illegible <laughs> cursive, uh, but it, it really looks like 1920s, 1930s period cursive. So I'm gonna twist her arm and have her write the <laughs> letters to the packers. Oh, nice. So it nice. looks lovely. so it looks like it's you know right. period authentic. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. I like that touch there. So, uh, yeah, before we wrap up the episode, I want to hear from both of you any shout outs you want to give to any, I mean, including this project, obviously, go to Kickstarter, back it, soups on, hit it right into Google. It's going to take you there, click the buttons. Ooh. It's just, it's going to be fantastic. But outside of that, is there anything that uh, we'll start with you, John, that you want to bring up or shout out to? Oh, I just, well, first off, we got to thank, you know, George Sanger for, for being just so so into what we're doing you know just a silly little project that you know we take very seriously but we understand that we're 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 just some people coming and trying to make a vinyl for our own let's let's face it for our own greedy ends because we both want more vinyls with our music on it like trolls was saying earlier <laughs> absolutely um but he's been so gracious and so so helpful and you know that that video he's got that we put on the uh on the kickstarter page is just hilarious Yes. Um, I just want to thank everyone that's on the, the SQH Discord. Just you, you know, you, everyone here is is part of that Discord, I believe. But yep. you just cannot imagine how friendly and knowledgeable and funny everyone is there. I could spend all day. I have to tell myself, do actual work today. Don't spend all day <laughs> talking with everyone on SQH Discord because I have work. I, I got this mix done. You know, um, everyone there is just so amazingly helpful. And like I mentioned earlier, not just with you know, video game stuff. They just, you could talk about 1970s cars and someone will know exactly your answer, you know, and yeah. just, yeah, just nothing but great people over there. Well, it's a really cool demographic, adventure gamers. I mean, if you think about it this way, uh, although there are some similarities, there is no real common denominator to any of us outside of we all played adventure games. What a random common denominator. So you've got this pool of like <laughs> the coolest people that are just so different. And yet we have this like locked in thing that's the same with all of us. It's, mm. it's such a cool dynamic. And that's one of the beautiful things about this community. I've, you know, I've been part of bunches of different communities in my time, and most of them just fantastic, but nothing like this where it's just so accepting and just 
everyone is so very different and that's one of the things that makes it so cool is that everyone yeah. has these different perspectives from different parts of the world, different different experiences in life and just the whole nine yards and I never tire of hearing it, you know? I mean, one of the coolest things, uh, I mean, not to, I'm not going to blow my own trumpet because I did nothing but start a Discord, actually started as a Slack server and then someone suggested, let's move it to Discord. And I was like, okay, there's 10 of us, why not? Who cares? And and I, I turned my back on it for five minutes and 800 people have joined. I had nothing to do with any of that. I just opened a Discord server. Um, but one of my, one of the, funniest facts uh, or, or one of my favorite facts about that community and, J and JPS is absolutely right it's a community of absolutely brilliant people that I um, am so lucky and thrilled to have in my life and, and I don't know what they're doing with me but it's it's great that they do it anyway one of my favorite things is we have one of the lead devs if not the inventor of DOSBox and one of the lead devs <laughs> of Scum VM in the same place Swapping ah. dirty memes on our Not Safe for Work channel. That is just fucking brilliant. <laughs> I know. I love it there. I'm too intimidated to jump in and I keep thinking about what I want to say or how I want to contribute because obviously that's one of the ones I have notifications on for. <laughs> oh, well, absolutely. No, there, are, there, is, there is no uh, bar of entry and there is no, no you have to be this interesting to, to, to be in. I'm sure a lot of those 800 people are lurkers. Uh, yeah. But it, it does feel like like joining like like going to a clubhouse and it like does. with with like Stranger Things type shit and just sit there and read comics and talk weird shit. Like, right. Hey, I, hey, I looked at a poster of a nineteen seventy cars. My dick got hard. What's that about? Um, <laughs> I can tell you what it's about. <laughs> yeah, I got some ideas. We're not in the vortex right now. <laughs> oh shit! Oh, gotta keep it in the vortex. Sorry. God, God. in the vortex. Oh, shout out to Pixie, our vortex moderator, who is yes, absolutely a princess. Uh, damn it! Don't uh, obey your queen. She knows what she's talking about. Um, oh, J JPS already stole my shoutouts. Uh, SQS Discord, yes. George Sanger, absolutely. Um, to all mm -hmm. the uh, composers uh, who I've interacted with in the past, who have turned out as as Paul said, um, never meet your heroes except for the ones that are really cool, and they've all been really cool. Um, Roberta Vaughn obviously gets a lot of credit because oh, she yeah. keeps hyping yeah. me up and and picking me up when shit goes down. In fact, she even got me to PAX last year when you know all the uh, you know me getting booted off a moderating panel for absurdly stupid reasons and she went yeah. you know what let's just let's just get him on a plane anyway come and hang mm -hmm. out and she, right. she's been absolutely fucking amazing you guys uh anna paul you guys were fucking awesome and the whole cgg crowd are absolutely awesome as well and um uh, um shit uh to uh, to uh, darcy james iha and jimmy chamberlain for putting up with billy Corden. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. And I think you have a couple of shout outs too, don't you, Paul, to a couple of the people in the Adventure Game Network and uh Yeah, right. Drop those down. <laughs> right. Um so well, and also go go check out forty seven error forty seven dot band. Nailed it. Damn it. Mm -hmm. Um <laughs> there will be no edit there. So just error forty seven dot band and you guys could check out uh, the C D DOS run. Wait, C DOS run. Sorry, I read that yeah. a CD. It's got but some it, Quest for Glory music on it, so get in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah one try for It's such a dumb pun. And I think JPS even had to ask me, what the fuck does that mean? And I was like, I, I don't know. <laughs> so, you know, you know those children's books? See Paul, see Paul run. Paul's got a ball. Hooray. C does run. I'm just so glad to hear there was thought behind it I, I, that it's not just there like by happenstance because now now it's 10 times more fun. C does run. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's brilliant. All right. Yeah, go go there. Check out our friends in the, the Adventure Game Hotspot Network. Um, One Short Eye has a video dropping right, well, like right now, but for when you guys are hearing this, like a week ago. But still, go check it out because it's a speedrun video on Monkey Island. Look, it doesn't matter. It's One Short Eye. He's got some of the best YouTube content out there. So check him out. And Adventure Game oh, Fuck, Ye- I, forgot, I forgot to plug the AGH network. I'm going to get booted. Oh. Damn oh, it. you better do it right now. Well, that's, hey, wait, that's what we're doing. We'll all plug it together. One, two, three. AGH. Do the thing. AGH. Buy my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just, pretend, just pretend Paul's reading off my list. Yeah, yeah exactly. If you're listening, Weird Gaming Adventure. No, you're, I think you only have to do it on your channel, right? This is. Yeah, oh, we yeah, do it yeah on you're ours. good. Yeah, you just happen to. And yeah. I'm not doing anything right now, so I'm cool. cool. Yeah, totally. You're perfect. No, you're good. Um, so, yeah, check out all of our friends there. I think that's really all I wanted to do. And you know what? Since since you're here, Trolls, let me, let me just embarrass you a little bit and say shout out to you and thank you very much because mm-hmm. you're Space Quest Historian. There you go. There's the shout out. So this isn't as cringy. Mm-hmm. So go check out Space Space Quest Historian on YouTube. I'm sure every one of our listeners literally already has. But but actually click we subscribe if you haven't, maybe. Because, you know, sometimes everyone gets a little lazy with that. Click the damn button. Mm-hmm. Sorry for yelling at you. But also to, to Trolls, <laughs> just personally on a personal level, thank you for being you because I love your channel so much. It's like mm-hmm. my favorite TV show, and I, I I don't know if I've ever said it to you to you before, but like I wouldn't be making the game that I'm making right now if it wasn't for you. Literally, like your AGS videos were the moment where I was like, I'm gonna do this. I'm finally gonna do this, and your videos taught me how to start doing it. And you've just been priceless to me in my life in many different areas. And so, thank you. You're awesome. Fucking hell! Oh, cheers, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm very bad with with how to. I, I don't know. I don't either. To, it's fine. No, no sort of it's doing ter- good. none of us are good yeah. at that. We all yeah. we all think we all suck, but we all know we all oh, rock oh, at the same time. I and you know, I know. I, I, I uh, thank you for for keeping my stuff safe. Uh, all the stuff uh, yeah, I bought on eBay and I couldn't get shipped Aww. to Denmark. I just send it to Paul and he'd sit on it. <laughs> so and and then drop ship it to me. So thank you so much for for committing mail fraud on my behalf. Great. Now I don't know. I don't know how to receive that myself. Neither of us. We can't. No. I don't. I'm incapable. Anna, do something. I mean, and that concludes today's episode. On the side, it's like, it, yeah, yeah. He's, it, was, it was like, okay, I got all this shit that you sent to my house. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it, but I'm going to send it to you. Uh, is there anything else you need? And I said, I don't know. Do you have a fate of Atlantis? And he goes, Yeah. <laughs> Just <laughs> so chuck the fate of Atlantis box in there. So cheers, man. You're a prince. Thanks, yeah, he absolutely Thank is. And shout out to JPS because you make my shit sound good. Yay! So good. <laughs> it's great. Okay, and now that concludes today's episode of the Classic Gamers Guild podcast. And hey, we hope you enjoyed our chat with Trolls and John of Error 47 and everything that goes with it. And if you want to stay connected with us, outside of all the other links we've already thrown you, uh, you can stay updated on future episodes. Follow us on Twitter at CGG Podcast or at Phantom Fellows. Like us on Facebook, Classic Gamers Guild. We're also a page, Classic Gamers Guild Podcast. Join us on instagram at cgg podcast send us an email mail at classicgamersguild.com and don't forget to check out our patreon we will read your names next time i swear to you uh thank you so much for supporting us all of you are amazing we might even pay some attention to you no no i'm not just saying that for the 50th time i swear to you so thanks for listening and we'll see you guys next time for another exciting adventure in gaming and also wishlist my adventure game to go to phantom, the, the phantomfellows.com. Okay, all right, I'm done. <laughs> That's the one. Yeah, don't do a murder.
was that was fun. No, that was that was so much that was so much fun.